0: We all remember the Bronco chase, the media blitz, and something about, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Today we're going to take a look at OJ Simpson and the trial of the murders of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. We'll discuss how OJ went from one of the most beloved athletes of the 1970s to one of the most polarizing figures of the 1990s. We'll look at his tumultuous relationship with Nicole Brown, her brutal murder, In the trial that left America at a standstill as viewers became enthralled with every moment of the case. Today, the juice is loose. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave.
1: Think you know the whole story behind the O.J. Simpson murder trial? Stick around. For an episode this fly, you must stand by. This is Necronomopod. What is he doing there? He just drove us He just, he just drove over. Wait, wait a minute, what kind of car is he in? He's in a white Bronco, but first of all, he broke the back door down to get in. Okay. wait a minute, what's your name? Nicole Simpson. Okay, is he the sportscaster or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Thank what is, you. Wait a minute, we're sending the police. What is he doing? Is he threatening you? i going nuts. Okay, has he threatened you in any way? Or, or is he just harassing you?
0: You're gonna hear him in a minute. He's about to get to me. Okay, just stay on the line. I don't want to stay on the line. He's gonna beat the shit. Wait a minute, wait. We'll just stay on the line
2: so we can know what's going on until the police get there. Okay. Okay, Nicole. All right. Who's the greatest football player of all time? <laughs> I know what you're gonna say, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I'm gonna to have to agree with you. <laughs>
0: So officially, Necronomapod believes Tom Brady's the greatest football player of all time by a two to two to one majority. All right. Just wanted to get that out there now. I know it's not going to be a a huge football heavy uh, episode. Bernie Kosar is number two. Jim Brown, then Bernie (laughs) Kosar. And then uh, what? Eric Matthews. Then uh, Tim Couch. Tim Couch. Legend. (laughs) Uh, Charlie Fry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brady Quinn Jeff Garcia Jeff Garcia I forgot about Derek him Anderson. Ooh, Derek Took Anderson Took us to that 10-6 and six year in 2007 Anyone who does not know, we're not as listing all of the 900 Browns quarterbacks <laughs> they've had since 1999 um, Alright, so we got something a little different this week We're not going the typical serial killer route We're not doing a... Uh, um a conspiracy theory or an alien or UFO uh story or a ghost story. Yeah. We're gonna dive into a uh a controversial uh individual. Very controversial. The trial of the nineties. Yeah. Trial of the century.
1: Trial yeah, century. Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah. And this is the twenty fifth anniversary of it this month. So figured it'd be oh, a wow. good time to look at that. Good mix time. it up a little bit. Look at us yeah. being timely. And OJ just joined Twitter. Couple weeks ago,
1: he's got some great videos on Twitter
2: talking about getting even with people. That's, uh, very, that's, very poor choice of words.
0: <laughs> wow! So we better make sure we be careful today too. We're going to be on that list. He's going to get even with us. <laughs> so, needless to say, if people can't read between the lines, we're trying to capitalize on some of the trendingness here <laughs> and hoping uh, we get some extra hits off this one. But it's also a really interesting story. This one fascinates me. Just yeah. from the whole the whole package deal with this
2: from what you can get away with as a celebrity to how it changed media forever, the news forever with yeah. the ratings stuff. And
0: and for me, like kind of going back and reading some of these notes when he, like for you, like we were eight or nine years old when this was happening. I didn't pay that much attention to any of this. Right. I knew it was big. It was all over the place, Yeah, but I didn't know any of this information that we're about to go through today.
2: Who I was didn't even really pay attention to who O.J. Simpson was. You right. know what I mean? Like he wasn't a mega celebrity to me cuz I
1: was too young to watch yeah, him play I, football, so I watched this all live. So yeah, I have a different perspective. Right. All right. Cuz right. I was like 50 back then. So. <laughs> 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 I wasn't going to go there.
0: I wasn't going to go there anymore. I remember the Bronco chase though. New shirt yeah, idea. Yeah. New shirt idea. Dave is old. <laughs> back. Necronomicon. <laughs>
2: all right, let's dive right, in. Let's this. jump into the juice. Orenthal James Simpson was born July 9th, 1947 in San Francisco, California, to Mother Eunice and Father Jimmy Simpson. O.J. grew up in the housing projects of the uh, Patero Hill neighborhood, and in his early teen years, he joined a gang called the Persian Warriors. Were they all Iranians? I don't know. That's a weird name.
1: Yeah, the Persian Warriors? Okay, carry on.
2: uh, During this time, O.J. was arrested multiple times. And after the third time he was arrested, he met Willie Mays, who encouraged him to stay out of trouble and and focus on sports. And he said that that changed his whole life Mm. as as far as getting out of, you know, not getting in trouble and Mm. shit like that. At 19, O.J. married his high school sweetheart, Marguerite Whitley, which have you guys seen a picture of Marguerite? I am... No, I have not. She is a a very, uh, very attractive woman. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Very attractive woman. All right. Um, Good for OJ. Yeah. Like today, you mean, or back then? Back then. I don't know what she looks like today, but she's a looker, man. Nice. They had three kids together Arnell, Jason, and Aaron. In 1979, at two years old, Aaron accidentally drowned in the family swimming pool.
1: Oh, yeah. I never knew that.
2: Yeah. That's terrible. OJ attended USC where he played football as a running back and won the Heisman Trof- Trophy in 1968. He was the number one pick in the 1969 NFL draft by the Buffalo Bills. And he played with the Bills through uh, from 1969 to 1977. And then he went to San- the San Francisco 49ers from 78 to 79.
0: I guess one of the things that was surprising to me was, maybe it's not, I just, just I don't know. It was only. It seemed like a short NFL career, ten now, years. Like ten years is that for a running back? I, think I that's guess for a running long. back, that's a lot of mm-hmm. mileage. That's brutal on your
1: knees. And yeah,
0: okay. he had a lot
1: of other shit going for him though. Yeah, like he got into the movies and everything, even while he was still playing football, like really early on. Right, and business stuff. Yeah, like he had endorsements, right out of the, right out of college before he even signed his uh, football contract with the Bills. Yeah, so he was making bang. Was he one of the
0: first athletes to have that. I <sighs> first black athletes. I would think so. Yeah. I, well, I think Jim Brown probably had some stuff going on, but but like right out of college though. Yeah, I would think so. Coming out of see, he went to Syracuse, didn't he, Jim Brown?
1: I he I was know. Syracuse.
0: He played lacrosse there, I think, too. Was it Syracuse? Yeah, hmm. yeah. So he was like OJ was like the Dwayne Johnson before there was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, just like a celebrity athlete across all
2: walks of yeah. life. Yeah, because I mean, his list of TV shows and movies that he was in is super long. I mean, uh, he was in all kind of shit.
1: Like he started his own production company and stuff. Yeah, that's just like the Rock. He had a lot going on.
2: So in '73, he became the first NFL player to rush more than 2,000 yards in a season, and he's the only player to ever rush for 2,000 yards when the NFL had the 14-game seasons. Because now what? It's 16, right?
0: Right. Yeah. He stole, Well, if, it's, if you're Tom Brady, it's like 19 or 20 because you win the Super Bowl every year. Very but true. Anyways. Well, true. Anyway, he, I digress. If you deflate
1: the football, sure, you can extend your season. No mm-hmm. evidence of
2: that. What was the other one? They were <coughs> spying? Spygate? Yes. Yeah,
0: uh, signal stealing. Tom yeah. Brady did not spy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I believe there were coaches or scouts who were actually busted for that one, though. Cheaters mm-hmm. never win and winners never cheat. Well... If they cheated, they win a lot.
1: <laughs> a
2: lot. Um, OJ still holds the NFL record for season single season yards per game with the average of uh, 143.1. That is fucking That's amazing. That's yeah. That lot. is insane. Yeah. That's a lot of yards.
0: I'm pretty sure there in the mid-2000s, the Browns didn't rush that in a season, let alone <laughs> per game.
2: The offensive line was called the electric company, right? Back then? Is that what it
1: was? The
0: electric company? I think so. And they were giving him all the juice? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, really? Is that how (laughs) Yeah, the electric company. I thought I was being clever, but no. 30 years too late. 40 years too late (laughs) on that joke. By
2: 1971, it was reported that OJ was already wealthy enough to, quote, retire this week if he wanted to. It's wild. Yeah, he was making bank. And then starting in 1975, he began a commercial deal with Hertz Rental Car Company. He was a part owner of or on the board for Honey Baked Ham, the PX Corporation and the Napa Natural Soft Drink line. Hmm. And
1: then
2: in 1975, People Magazine said that O.J. was, quote, the first black athlete to become a bona fide, lovable media superstar. Hmm. So I mean, yeah, he had because what he retired in '79. So yeah, I mean, '75 he was on the the board for Honey Baked Ham, and he yeah, was doing everything
0: right, setting up know. for post football. I Love some Honey Baked Ham. Honey Baked Ham is amazing. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I ever had Honey Baked really ham. like like the the company Honey yeah. Baked Ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I ever have.
2: Angie gets them for uh, Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, they're good. They line up
1: cops outside of the place, and they direct traffic. <laughs> Cause so many fucking people are trying to get there to pick up their ham.
2: Yeah, you, like got pre, you got a pre, you got a pre order. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, all right. So just
0: walk we're, in are we, there. Are we recording here on Christmas Eve this year? And we're gonna come over and have yeah. some ham. People just hear us like eating ham, like. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: they have good shit, man. So and like we were talking that he did movies after he retired in '79. He focused mainly on the movies and TV and commentating in the NFL, which from what I was looking at, he sucked as an NFL commentator. Mm. He was real bad.
1: Was he like the color guy? I'm
0: trying to remember. Did he do Monday night football or did yeah, he, he do he, Sunday games? He did,
2: I th- believe it was Monday night football. Yeah. Well, I
0: would imagine okay. he's not doing play-by-play. I mean, that's usually they save that for like the, the Yeah, he wouldn't do play-by-play. Yeah. Usually when they bring in the athletes, they do like the, the color analysts. Or is he
1: like the third guy, like
0: the, the Dennis Miller jackass <laughs> that, they, that they bring in? <laughs> <laughs> Even those are still I think considered color guys though, no? Yeah. Like it's they close. just they sprinkle like yeah. the salt and pepper on yeah. And whatever. Yeah, I can't remember who was talking about it. How dare you make fun it? of Dennis Miller? Oh he's such a jack off. Continue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who was talking about it, but they were saying that he sucked and then they were playing like some clips, examples, okay. and it was bad.
0: That's yeah, not I not. mean that's that's something different. Like yeah. that would be difficult to do. It's not for everyone. No, of course not. Was he doing Monday Night Football? I I believe it was Monday Night, yeah.
2: But most notably, OJ had a part in the TV series Roots, and then he was one of the lead roles in the Naked Gun movie series.
0: So Roots was um, like... I remember OJ from as a kid in the trial and everything, but Right. then I saw like when I got into high school and I got really into like history and I started watching like like African American history is one of my favorite things to study. And I watched Roots and that was when I like got re exposed to OJ. Um just because I loved the whole Roots franchise and yeah. he wasn't he wasn't in it very much. It was a pretty quick role. Wasn't he I can't he was, even think of who he was. He was in Kunta Roots. Kinte's dad in the was beginning he? when he's still in Africa before he gets um uh, okay. kidnapped. Okay. Yeah. So but I think I think OJ is only in like the first episode. It was like a six-part series I think. Like 2 hours long each. Yeah, it was something. all week. Was, I remember watching it in um, in the 70s. Yeah, I bought the box set of it cuz I really enjoyed it. And it, I mean it's just it's terrifying, but it's it's very um enlightening. Yeah. And uh but I think OJ's in like the first half hour of Okay. It. He plays Kunta's dad. We watched it in school. Mm -hmm. I think it was in 6th or 7th grade. I was in high school when we watched it. Oh, you guys
1: didn't watch it live on the air in the 70s Uh, like I did? I was
0: like 8 years from being born. (laughs) I do remember that. Didn't that air like in the winter of like 78? I think it was 78. Well, but he would have still been playing though. I guess he could have been acting. He was doing movies while he was in a towering inferno. Because I remember my um, history teacher at the time had said that it was when that that blizzard hit. I Cleveland. remember the blizzard, yeah. and everyone it was snowed in, so it inflated the ratings for everything. Hmm. Um, for Roots, when it was aired that same year, that February, the Daytona Five Hundred uh, had their biggest ratings ever. It was, and it was the first like flag to flag they aired the entire race on national television. And okay, it got huge ratings again. People were snowed in; they had right. nothing else to do, so they were watching Roots. They were, and it was like on six consecutive nights or whatever it was. So people were watching that. Yeah. And, yeah, that blizzard was something Nothing else. like watching Roots and then watching NASCAR back-to-back. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love just me a, some
1: NASCAR. Just
0: a uh, bit of a change. woo he's getting gas. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we get it, we get he's it. changing his tires. woo <laughs> Says the guy who took the afternoon off to watch a bunch of girls run around a grassy field. Oh, great World Cup
1: game today. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> what was the final
1: score? 2-1. Semi-finals against England next week.
0: The Women's World Cup. we were talking. Oh, okay. You look like you didn't know what we were talking about. I didn't know it was women's, but I yeah. very exciting. Well, I said a bunch of girls. I wasn't no, just yeah, making yeah. fun of the guys. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so, in not eight, that that would be making fun of. I'd be complimented to be called a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to sound sexist there. That sounded sexist. Save me, please. It's gonna be a fucking five-hour episode. (laughs) Start talking. (laughs) So, in and then
2: uh, in 1983, OJ was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, and then in '85, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Which I didn't know they had a College Hall of Fame. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, during this time, O.J. moved to the Brentwood neighborhood on Rockingham in L.A., and he, the house that he had bought was uh, $650,000 at the time, which now that house
1: is valued at $4 million. surprised it's only $4 million. Like, that's a nice estate with the bungalows in the back. Yeah. I thought the same thing. That's that a nice
0: spot like there. Relatively yeah. uh, inexpensive. For Brentwood, yeah.
2: At this time, Brentwood was a white neighborhood. And OJ almost exclusively associated with white people, and he got a lot of crit- criticism from the African American community for not being involved in the obvious issue, you know struggles and issues that they that they had in their community. A lot of people felt that OJ could be using that platform that he had to ad- address issues of racism and and civil rights issues, but he didn't care, right? I mean, no, he never said anything. In that documentary, the the OJ made in America, one of the civil rights leaders was talking, and they said at this time they didn't even approach him about anything because he was doing his own thing and Mm. didn't give a shit. And he said, I think the exact thing was that OJ was a lost cause when it came to anything that had to do with the African American community. In 1977, OJ met Nicole Brown while she was working as a waitress at a nightclub called the Daisy.
0: Now Nicole was magusta. Yeah, she's very she's attractive good looking. Too. I also I looked up uh, Marguerite just yeah. a minute ago. It's all right. You don't think she's she's all right? Oh, now Dave's... check this out. <laughs> Dave's gonna like her. It's right up my alley. Dave's gonna like her. <laughs> Nicole, I think Nicole is a, a more attractive individual. And OJ was a good looking guy too. Oh yeah, he's a good looking guy.
2: So Nicole was only 18 when they met and they immediately started having an affair, which resulted in OJ divorcing Marguerite in 1979. And then Nicole and OJ dated for a long time. They didn't end up getting married until 1985. And they had two kids, Sydney and Justin. That is a long time. Yeah. She got pregnant with... One of them, I can't remember which one, but it seemed like they got married just because she got pregnant with one uh, of the kids because okay. one of the kids was born in '85.
0: Okay, so he had five kids all together, all boys.
2: No, Sydney was a girl. Oh, OJ had multiple affairs while he was married to Nicole and was said to basically rub it in her face. That His he- penis, <laughs> oh, rub the affairs. Wow. Sorry, damn. <laughs> <laughs> he would rub the affairs in her face. He even blamed one of the affairs on the fact that Nicole got too fat while she was pregnant. In that, a dick. yeah, that's a mm. that's a shitty ass fucking thing to uh, get her yeah. knocked
0: up and say, "Oh, now you're too fat." I'm gonna go fuck yeah. this other girl.
2: And their their marriage was just plagued
0: with uh with domestic violence. And this was something I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Yeah, about the story that he had allegedly been aggressive with her so many times a lot yeah which we're about to get into so
1: were there any records of him beating his first wife
2: there's talk of it there i it. don't i didn't find anything that was like any actual like um evidence police reports okay. or anything
0: like that he was also playing football then too i wonder if that kind of was like a the outlet out. for him yeah. not that it's an excuse but sure maybe he didn't you know he was in his mind he was missing that outlet for his rage or his aggression Mm. I don't know
2: I know I mean he always had multiple affairs with both of them you know, Nicole yeah. just I'm just talking about the physical, yeah, 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 yeah. Nicole had a safety deposit box that OJ didn't know about where she kept um, Polaroid photos of her face and detailed journal entries after every incident. And she had called the police on OJ multiple times throughout their marriage. And on one of the 911 calls, she's quoted as saying that the police had been there eight times and had never done anything. OJ 100% received special treatment from the police. Regarding all this domestic violence stuff. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, they were basically going up there just to be like, oh, hey, I'm. Right. Saw you saw oh, my Jay football? Simpson. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, they Getting didn't take. Selfies with him. Right. Yeah, they didn't take any of this They weren't taking
0: selfies in the 70s and 80s, guys. <laughs> Polaroid Polaroids. Selfie right. <laughs> <laughs> I, and know, I mean, I don't even know what that is. It was before my time. A Polaroid. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> the, the Polaroid pictures of her are rough, too. I mean,. She's the all ones she, that she took and kept, mm-hmm, She's which all, good for
0: her for t- keeping all that.
2: She's all beat up in, in those pictures. On January 1st, 1989, a 911 call was placed from the Rockingham house, and you can hear Nicole being beaten by OJ in the background. Hmm. Police officer John Edwards was dispatched to the scene, and he was the only police officer over the course of their marriage that actually took this stuff seriously. And when John pulled up to the gate, he buzzed the intercom system. And he said that as he was pushing the button, Nicole ran up, soaking wet, cold, and was just wearing a bra and sweatpants. And so in in her journal thing, she talked about like OJ was like dragging her around outside and shit. Mm. He said that she hugged him and started yelling that he's, quote, he's going to kill me. John Edwards noticed that her face had already started to swell up and had visible red marks from being hit. And at that time, O.J. came up to the gate and started yelling that he wanted Nicole out of his house, that he had other women and didn't need her anymore. And so, John, he told O.J. that he was under arrest and to go into the house and get dressed because he said O.J. came out wearing just like shorts, no shirt on, whatever. Mm. So he told him to go back in the house and get dressed. He was under arrest. And O.J. went into the house to get dressed, well, presumably the police officer thought he was just going in to get dressed and out of the other driveway because there's two driveways going into the house. OJ got in his Bentley and just took off, just <laughs> drove away.
0: Wouldn't that be nice to have a house where you had two driveways? <laughs> right.
1: Wouldn't yeah, in a Bentley? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, honey, I didn't see you come in. Oh, no, I used the other driveway. <laughs> parked in our second garage.
2: But the police weren't able to catch up with him. Like, he got away that night, but when an officer tells you Verbally, they, that's all they have to say is you're under arrest. Mm-hmm. That you're under arrest. You can't just uh, just yeah. take <laughs> off. No, I have other plans. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, it's not going to work yeah. for me. So I'm, <laughs> right. I'm going to go back inside. And I mean, and then
2: if that was one of us, we would be completely fucked. Well, and yeah. they wouldn't let us go get dressed by ourselves either. No. No. <laughs> I mean, good on this officer for taking actually taking this serious for once and right. saying you're under arrest. But no, we would not be getting dressed. We would be just. Yeah. Arrested right
1: there. We'd be naked in the back of the cop car. Yeah. Yeah. With um, a blanket, a dirty blanket out of the back of the police car.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and 100%. now you have an STD.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you, yeah, I mean, there would be multiple felonies at that point, too, if you ran away from the police. and Correct. So to this OJ pled no contest, and he just received a slap on the wrist. He was only required to complete 120 hours of community service. And for that community service, he organized a celebrity golf tournament. Oh, that was nice of him. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, it's Proceeds seeds
0: just... went to the local battered women shelter. No, of I... course not. Hmm.
2: Well, and this all got brushed. All these things got brushed under the rug, but with this '89 thing, because Hertz rental car were they were uh, they were done with him for this.
0: So we started losing some. Well, they were going to
2: be. And then Nicole called the owner of Hertz and was like, hey, this is, it didn't happen like this. And oh, boy. Yeah. Which, you
1: know, that's what happens. Though. Yeah.
2: It's just this shitty situation. So this police officer, John Edwards, saved a copy of the police report because he felt that the case would be mishandled, which uh which it was. And also because he genuinely believed that Nicole wasn't lying. And he, he really thought that, that he would end up killing her. Like he, he believed what she was saying. Nicole, you know, shit kept happening. And Nicole decided that she was going to leave OJ because of the, the abuse. And it was decided that, or that Nicole would get her own place and they would potentially try to work things out, but she just wanted her own space and, and whatever. And it was weird she had a uh, a friend of theirs was a real estate agent and they had to like really sell it to OJ like that she was allowed to leave. Like, it was really uh like he wasn't okay with her being allowed to like he no. didn't think she was. Yeah. allowed to leave. Yeah. She's while they were separated Nicole started a romantic relationship with a restaurant owner named Keith Salamaswitch. <laughs>
1: this is my favorite name of the whole story. <laughs> it sounds like a James Bond villain. <laughs> No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die.
2: (laughs) And OJ obviously was not not okay with this when he found out about it. Oh, he wasn't? (laughs) Mm. Nicole opened up to Keith about the physical abuse and, and shared some of the journal entries with him that she had been keeping in the safety deposit box in the... Journals detailed her being beaten for hours while she was trying to crawl to the door to get out and being locked in a closet for hours at a time, not being allowed out. It's yeah,
1: that's brutal.
2: Really rough stuff. And yeah. it started to become evident to Nicole and Keith that, uh, that OJ was stalking them. Like he would show up at, at clubs they were at and restaurants and shit. There was the one of the stories was that they went to a club, OJ showed up. So they're like, all right, let's just go back to. Nicole's like, let's go back to my house, whatever. And then they ended up having sex that night. And the next morning, OJ came over all pissed off, busted in, and was screaming at her and shit. Mm. And he was looking through the
0: windows and saw them having sex. Perv. (laughs) Likes it. Likes watching. (laughs) Take it, Nicole. That's terrifying. Yeah. Also, close your fucking blinds, too. Like, that's just weird. Uh, It's it's a... A valid if it's, point. If it's yeah. nighttime at my house, all of my blinds are closed. Like they you're are? not going to be able to just look in. Are there people on the deck standing there? Like you would see them if you opened them. Maybe, but guess what? I'm not <laughs> opening them, <laughs> so I'm not going to worry about it.
2: Yeah, I can. Yeah, you need to close. Because in the story too, they that Keith guy says that they were uh they were banging in the living room, and that's how he was able to see them. So it's like, yeah, you got to close yeah. the windows, man. Yeah,
1: I'd be scared, man. OJ? That would be terrifying. Fuck yeah. you Fuck your shit up. And banging OJ's wife. I mean,
0: but at the same time, like, you're not... Well... <laughs> nope. Go on.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that, that Keith guy, too, he said that on, on multiple times he would see OJ, like, come in, be fucking, like, furious, like, absolute rage, and then when you hear him screaming in the other room, and then come out, and, like, he said, like, his face changed, just like, all of a sudden he was OJ again, like... Real chill, charming, like just flip the switch. It's wild. Yeah. Nicole wasn't exclusively dating Keith. She was also seeing a guy named Marcus Allen, who was a young running back from USC who's drafted uh, into the NFL by the Kansas City Chiefs. OJ and Marcus were very close and kind of like OJ was like his mentor kind of thing. Marcus um,
0: Allen denies this. So, uh, yeah, he denies this. He in denies the, that they ever dated. Yes.
2: Yeah, he says that he didn't. I and, remember
0: Marcus Allen.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. he said in the the one in the legal, um, in the civil suit in the deposition, he says that he didn't. But yeah. OJ's agent so, and other people say that he did. I was going
0: to ask where it came from. Yeah, OJ's, OJ's agent.
2: Yeah. So according to um, OJ's manager, when OJ found out about Marcus and Nicole. I mean, obviously, he was furious about it. Nicole, at that time, Nicole cut things off with Keith and Marcus and attempted to fix things with OJ. And she said it was for the sake of, of their kids. But she still kept her own house and wanted to take things slow. A couple of years
1: later, Keith's like, woo
0: <laughs> Dodged a bullet on Dodged
1: her. Dodged a bullet. On
2: October 25th, 1993, the last 911 call was made by Nicole regarding OJ. In this call, she details that OJ broke down their back door, or her back door, and she needed the police out there immediately. The 911 operator asks Nicole to stay on the line, to which Nicole says that she doesn't want to because, quote, he's going to beat the shit out of me. And then OJ can be heard in the background screaming about um, shit that Nicole did with Keith, like sexual stuff that
1: Nicole did with that Keith guy. (laughs) Like what? Oh, you've never... I'm trying to remember... He's, I mean, I've listened to this before. Like, what was he saying? It's hard something, to hear the yeah, back, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's, it's like along the lines of uh you didn't care about the kids when you were sucking Keith's dick. And, oh, right. and he's talking about himself in the third person. He's like, O.J. worked so hard for all this shit. So he was the oh, rock boy. before
0: the rock was the rock.
2: Oh, yeah, he's talking in third person throughout that whole thing, screaming, like, saying, O.J. did this, worked for this family,
0: and, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh... Uh, Nicole and this dude didn't do anything fun. Like, I was hoping, like, he'd be yelling about, like, a flying squirrel or something like that, and it was not happening here. Who? No. With with OJ yelling in the background. Like, you were saying that he was just yelling about sucking dick. What's uh, a flying squirrel? <laughs> flying squirrel? So, it's, it's not actually that sexual at all. It's when you on. knock on someone's door, and so then- but then you're naked and you do a handstand in their door frame so that when they open the door, it's just your cock and balls upside down on their face. <laughs> you never heard of that? A no. flying squirrel? I've heard of a flying squirrel.
2: I thought you were talking about a legitimate flying squirrel. I'm like, where the hell did that come No,
0: No, it's, we. we <laughs> have sw- you ever done this? I have not, but I've seen them done many a time back in college. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, you get in someone's door frame, and you go do a handstand facing the door, and you knock, and then when they answer the door, boom, they just got like a hanging dick and balls right in your face. (laughs) It's the Flying Squirrel. (laughs) All right. You just got to watch because you're right at punch level, too, so just be prepared. That's true. This Halloween, let's go Flying Squirrel some motherfuckers. The police did nothing about this
2: incident, and Nicole decided that this was it. You know, and on top of the police doing nothing, the 911 operator is absurd in this call, too. She's, like, like almost starstruck about, oh, you mean the sportscaster? Oh the like, just really unprofessional. Like, just throws oh, yeah. professionalism right out the window, and it's ridiculous.
1: You would think in L.A. you're used to stuff like that, you know? Yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: But she decided she was 100% done with him, and with the divorce being final, OJ's manager believes that Nicole started seeing Marcus Allen again. He says that OJ threatened that if he found out she was dating Marcus again, he would kill her. So mm. that's that's from OJ's manager, and that guy has come out about stuff that makes him look like a piece of shit. So the manager, I, yeah. So with regarding this whole thing, so I don't mm. see any reason why he would lie about. Okay. about it so on june 13th 1994 at 12 10 a.m the bodies of nicole brown and ron goldman were discovered
0: murdered outside nicole's bundy drive condo so this is like nine months after that last 911 call then yeah right? that was october 93 yeah now we're looking at june
2: 94 right and so According to his manager and some other friends and I can't remember the names of people, but mainly his manager that she was dating Marcus Allen this okay. at, throughout this time. So it was just building up inside of
1: him this rage
2: for yeah. a while. Sukarubo's Tepi was walking his dog with his wife when they came across Nicole Zakita barking toward the walkway of her condo and they noticed that the dog's paws were covered in blood. So they, you know, walked up to look further and Sukaru saw Nicole and Ron's bodies. When police arrived, they immediately noticed just how vicious of a of a crime it was. And you guys saw the, we were talking about the, before we started recording, the the crime scene pictures.
0: Oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they're really bad. I will not put out some of those yeah, at no. all. We'll post a few of them, but not, not some of those bad ones.
2: Both Nicole and Ron had been stabbed multiple times in the scene. I mean, it was absolutely just covered in blood. Like it looks like something from a horror movie, how right. much blood is involved. Yeah. Nicole had blunt force trauma to the left side of her head, four stab wounds to the left side of her neck, which the coroner's or the autopsy report says that those would have been fatal. The first four that she got. Wow. So, but it would have take, taken some time for her to to bleed to death from him, But those would have been fo- fatal. Then she had three stab wounds to the top of her head and multiple defensive wounds on her hands. And then her throat had after those injuries, then her throat had been slit so deep that she was basically decapitated.
0: Just fucking brutal. Yeah, brutal.
2: Kind of shows you what a professional athlete is able to do with a knife. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm not yeah. not Allegedly. guilty. All right, not yeah. guilty. So then Ron had four stab wounds to his neck, 10 stab wounds on his face and slash the back of his neck and then under his earlobes. And then he had three stab wounds to his head, six stab wounds to his chest and abdomen, and multiple defensive wounds to his hands. And the police estimated that they had been dead for about two hours. Officer Robert Risk was the one... Was one of two officers to first show up and found the single left hand glove covered in blood.
0: What a hell of a scene to walk into, or to be that guy walking his dog and sees Nicole's dog covered in blood, right? And then you go explore and you find that. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I and I didn't put it didn't put in the
2: outline either, but Ron Goldman was a black belt in karate. And he's 20 years younger than OJ. So it was described as a hell of a fight that was going on here. Because not all of his stat, not all of the wounds were like full in stabs. Some of them are slashing. Well, so whoever was, was fighting with him was stabbing and
0: slashing. And that was him. part of the defense, right? That OJ was older. This guy was young. He would have defended himself better. Right. Yeah. How old was OJ at this time? He was born. This was ninety four, right? And he was born Gordon. in forty seven. Like what's the math on that? Forty seven. Okay, <laughs> forty seven. So, if if it were him, and he was a uh, uh, a hell of an athlete, he'd still be in pretty good shape. Hell but yeah. then again, as a running back too, you're you're getting broken down and beat up pretty t- good as well.
2: Yeah, um, I and mean, in a little bit here, we'll get into like the the theory. Yeah, that, yeah
1: of you know, how this ahead. of how this uh so we talk about the photos do you think they should should have released those photos like do you think crime scene photos like that should be released to the public
0: uh that's, i mean i don't no. really have any problem i don't, I don't, I don't either don't. i don't i don't know i like, like if, that, if, family that, family if that your family if yeah, that, that, was that was my family i don't, just want don't need that to
1: be out. released
2: yeah i mean i don't really have
0: an issue with it. it what's crazy is of all the stuff we've discussed this entire show i've never really been turned off by anything I've ever seen until I saw these. Yeah. Uh, and I maybe because it's more modern day and everything else we've kind of discussed like serial killers mm. have been more um earlier, I guess. Yeah. These ones were just like like I felt guilty looking at these photos. And if you want to see them you can just google them. We're not I'll post a few but we're not going to post the, yeah. the, the the graphic the real bad ones. Um, but they're all out there, and I don't know. I I don't like looking at them. I don't. Know I don't
1: it's not necessary to release those.
0: I yeah. I don't know how you like if I, if you're the family member, just knowing those are out there and seeing that. Yeah, is terrible. And I mean, that's
2: the thing about this case is it's got all this celebrity around it, and then we'll get later, you know, with bring up Jay Leno's stupid shit. Like, there's a lot of stupidity involved in this thing, but
1: just mocking the trial, yeah, and everything. But
2: the the brutalness of these of the two murders is, it's terrible. Is, is it's outrageous. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, is it the dancing Edo's? Is that what you're talking <laughs> about? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I've looked at Dahmer's Polaroids that are out there, the few yeah. that have been, that have leaked out and, and different things. But yeah, these are bad. Yeah. Bad, bad. Like this is like going when you to, see a
0: lot of those photos and they look old, like the photos, because the technology not Wasn't there. And yeah. It's, these photos look like photos from the nineties. Yeah. You know, we all have photos of ourselves in the 90s. And so it's just, it's, yeah, it's relatable and it just hits home and it's like, I don't, it's uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. It's just a brutal, brutal crime. So when it was realized that Nicole was the ex-wife of OJ, it was suggested that Mark Furman, along with three other officers, go to notify OJ since Mark knew where OJ lived because he had been to his house for, for some of those domestic violence calls so no one was answering the intercom at the gate at OJ's house at the um, the Rockingham house. So Mark Furman walked to the other gate where the um, the other driveway was and saw a white Ford Bronco parked nearby. The driver's side door of the car had blood on it. That gave them enough probable cause to check on the welfare of OJ because they're thinking, okay, his, sure. ex, his ex-wife his has just almost had her head cut off and now... Uh, now blood on yeah. his car, yeah. So, Furman jumped the gate to let the other officers in, and they knocked on the front door, got no response. So, they walked around to the back to a section of bungalows and knocked on the first one, which was Cato Kalin's. Cato Kalin was a live-in friend of Nicole and OJ, who lived there rent-free, and he was more of a friend of Nicole than OJ. Yeah. But he just still lived there, which he... He's the goofiest fucking person. I,
1: I just watched that FX series, and the guy that played Cato Kalen was just ridiculous. He was like Bill, <laughs> someone in Bill and Ted. Yeah. He's like, totally awesome. That's was, pretty much what that's Cato, terrible. But that's what he's like, right? Like, Whoa,
0: dude. Yeah. Didn't we talk about that already? There's a new Bill and Ted coming out. There we is talked a, about a that. The new
1: Bill and Ted. Didn't coming
0: we talk out. about that if, like a week ago yeah, or something? Because uh, yeah. we were on our Keanu Reeves kick. Can't yeah.
1: wait. Yeah. Cato Those movies Cato are great. Sorry. Cato
2: Kalen is, he's like just this ditzy fucking LA kind of guy. It's what
1: yeah. he, you know, just living in the bungalow free in Brentwood. <laughs> Sounds chilling. pretty sweet.
0: Pretty pretty <laughs> pretty
1: good.
2: So they told Cato why why they were there, and Cato told him that OJ had flown out to uh to Chicago and he wasn't home. Cato then told Mark Furman that uh that before OJ left, he heard three large bangs from outside his bungalow from the back of his bungalow that made the pictures on his wall shake did you see pictures from inside his bungalow too I mean, it's a pretty fucking sweet place to be yeah, living for great. free yeah so mark Furman went out to the back of the bungalow where uh where Cato said he heard the bangs and found a right hand glove that was covered in blood and matched the left hand one from the crimes from the crime scene
1: that's really sloppy yeah so now... Whoever left it there, I mean.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or did Mark just take it from the crime scene and put it there? Yeah, uh-huh. That's p- possible. Well, Not really. It is possible. <laughs> no, it's not. It is very much possible.
2: <laughs> when police got a hold of OJ in Chicago to notify him of Nicole's death, they were immediately... I mean, obviously, they have the glove, which is a huge red flag, but they were very suspicious by the fact that he didn't ask them how she died. Which
1: that's a big that's a it huge strange. Very strange. People act weird, I guess, dramatic situations. Yeah. But still, that's still your first question.
0: But you don't necessarily ask it. You don't necessarily say how. I don't it's know. Very I suspicious. Think you do. It's very suspicious. I don't know. I don't know how I would react in a situation like that to know if that's what I mean, I'm sure I would be thinking it, but I don't know if I would ask that immediately. Like if a cop called to tell you someone died, you wouldn't ask them how they died? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Because how it's... I mean, someone that close to you so unexpectedly, I don't know. I guess. Maybe you don't shock. I Maybe you're in it. shock. Yeah. I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just right, saying yeah. I don't know. Yeah, people act
1: strange when they're
0: in, in traumatic situations I like just that. think it's worth... It. I wouldn't base a whole argument on that. Yeah. On, on it's that. It's just one piece it's, of the puzzle. Yeah, it's just a red flag. Yeah. We'll call it a, a pink flag. <laughs> I don't want to call it a complete red. <laughs> oh, it's a red flag. Yeah.
2: <laughs> With the uh, with the evidence the police had, at that point, it was enough to get a search warrant to search OJ's OJ's house. and that's the first time the prosecutor Marsha Clark comes into that into the picture with the stories because she's the one that they called and she's like, all right, you know, go ahead. there's more than enough evidence yeah. at this point, you know, which made him the the main suspect. When OJ got back from Chicago on that Monday, he voluntarily went in for an interview with the police without a lawyer, which is fucking crazy. Don't ever
1: do that, kids. Don't ever speak to the police without your attorney. No. Ever. No matter what it is. That's. And I think that shows, too,
0: that his... Well, I mean, if you're pulled over for speeding, it's well, probably okay to talk to the police.
1: Yes. If you're ever picked up by the police, don't ever talk to them without your attorney there.
0: Completely accurate? Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you did something or not, yeah. you should always have an attorney there. 100%.
2: But I think that with him going without the lawyer, I think it goes to uh, how buddy buddy he was with the police.
0: Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, they're not going to attack me. I'll just—I mean, he was always playing like he, al- he had allegedly gotten away with all those beatings yeah. earlier, and I'm sure he was on a first name basis with a lot of those those cops. So yeah, yeah. and, and You're I mean, he feeling was, a little bit invincible.
2: Yeah, I mean, and he was friends with him. He played golf with the cops, had oh, him over right. his place and stuff. And you know, I'll bring it up later on during the trial thing, but there's a guy named Ron Ship that was a police officer that was really good friends with him mm. that flipped on him during the trial and testified
0: against him. But yeah, I mean, he also, was. Also, if you didn't do it, why not go in for the, the questioning if you have nothing to hide? Just saying. Yeah, but you always
2: have to have a lawyer. It's weird.
0: I understand, but. He might have just thought, oh, I know I didn't do this. I'm going to go in and talk. Not the wisest move in general, but. Right. Sure.
2: Well, during this interview, they noticed that OJ had a cut on his left middle finger that he said he got from breaking a glass in Chicago. The detectives questioning him, they failed to pin him down on an actual timeline of like what he was up to. And they just let him ramble the whole time. And it, it essentially made the interview worthless to prosecutors. OJ let them take a sample of his blood and a picture of the cut on his fingers, and then they just let him go. Marsha Clark was furious that they just let him go. I mean, if that would have been any of us again...
1: We'd have been on a 72-hour hold.
2: We would not have left there if you're a suspect in a murder. Not a chance. You know, just walk out of there. So he went home, and and I'll talk about Ron Chip real quick. So Ron Chip was the police officer that that helped that was good friends with him and was at OJ's house when he got home from this. And so he said he was watching, OJ was watching the TV and just real pissed off, like watching all the news talking about him being a suspect and whatever. So Ron, this is according to him. He goes, how'd you get the cut on your hand? And he said, I got it on a cut or on a glass in Chicago. And they said a little bit later, he heard OJ say, I got it while I was chipping golf club or golf balls. Hmm. And then I can't remember the third thing he said, but he had a different thing for everybody who asked him how he got the cut on the glove, and that's when Ron Chip was like, I'm out. Mm. I know it already. I'm out. And and he left.
1: It's weird that you can't keep one story straight for a cut on your finger. Yeah. Sloppy.
0: Well, if you're nervous too. Like I mean, if yeah. you, now I'm saying if you did do it, you're nervous. You're coming up with whatever you can say to get out sure.
2: of it. man. Yeah. As prosecutors prepared to charge OJ with with the murders, they came up with the, this is the outline that they came up with in in their theory based on the forensic evidence. So on June 12th, 1994 at 5 p.m., OJ, Nicole, and family and other family members attended their daughter's dance recital, and Nicole told OJ that he wasn't welcome to sit with her and the rest of the family. So a off the wall probably pissing him off. 100%. Yeah. 6:30 p.m. Nicole and family went to the Mezzaluna restaurant to eat in Brentwood and again OJ was told that he wasn't welcome to come. 9:36 p.m. OJ and Cato Kalen returned to OJ's Rockingham house after taking a trip to McDonald's. Cato paid for the food and OJ ate his on the way home. And once they got back to OJ's house, Cato went to his bungalow, OJ went to the house.
1: Is the fact that Cato paid for it relevant because Cato never paid for anything? You know, also,
0: why do we care that O.J. ate it
1: on the way home? <laughs> it's just part of the story. I mean, it's, they're just laying down
2: the, yeah, yeah. the evidence here. I guess so. And it was a Big Mac. He ate a Big Mac on the way home. Oh, oh, David's Big, Mac Big, Mac Big right about now. We should watch ourselves. Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a normal person would get a quarter pounder with cheese because it is clearly the superior sandwich. Oh wow, man. Big Macs are good. It's out, all bread. That's an it's outrageous, outrageous statement. It's it all bread with statement. single, small patties. A quarter pounder with cheese, actually I get the double, no onion, is two quarter pound slabs of beef with very little, just just two slices of bread. They have you special know the, sauce? No, <laughs> nobody wants the special <laughs> and sauce and the story, motherfucker. No, but no. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah, just yeah. want to dip bread in the special sauce? That's what a Big Mac is. Uh, yes, it's too much bun, percent, too much bun, lot, not enough beef. They're good, man. You know. They're they're very good. Yeah, but they're not quarter pounders with cheese. A Royale with cheese isn't that the uh, Canadian version? <laughs> Pulp is fiction. You know what they call
1: a oh quarter that's pounder right. cheese in France.
0: Royale with cheese. I feel like they still sell those. I don't know. Either way, I'm putting up a poll this week. Uh, Big Mac or Quarter Pounder with cheese. We'll see what happens. Big Macs mm-hmm. will handily win. Well, yeah. if you just like eating bread, sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to 9.37 uh, p.m. Nicole's mother can't find her glasses and calls the Mezzaluna looking for them. 10 p.m. Ron Goldman, who is their waiter, takes an envelope containing Judy, Judy Brown's glasses to Nicole's house.
1: Man, these little details that cost you your life, right? If she if she wouldn't have... Uh, forgot the glasses. Forgot the glasses. Yeah. you think you've ever made a decision that saved your life? Like if you would have made the other decision, you would have gotten killed? I don't know. Little weird details like that? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Are you asking if I ever made it? Anybody, a yeah. yeah.
2: There's that car wreck that I was in in high school yeah? that landed yeah. me in intensive care and in a wheelchair for a long time. And it was just because I picked a different car to ride in. Yeah, I was. I had two options for friends to get right. in the car, and I got in the
1: other one. And yeah, Ron could have said, "Yeah, I don't want to drop those fucking glasses off.
0: She so can come mm-hmm. pick them up." Just tomorrow. think about that, and if if that would have been it for you, Necronomipod would not exist. What would our listeners be doing right now? What would we, we be doing exist? right now, Dave? You and I probably be drinking alcohol, talking <laughs> about some bullshit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's yeah. call a spade a spade. 10:15
2: yeah. p.m. Neighbors reported hearing Nicole's dog barking. p.m., O.J. was picked up at his Rockingham house by limo and driven to the LAX airport. And the limo driver reports that O.J. was late, that he was standing out there for a while waiting for O.J. 11.45 p.m., O.J.'s plane takes off for Chicago.
0: Is it not unreasonable to think that after you just downed a Big Mac and Fries, you might be taking a shit and that's why he was late? For Well,
2: he has no alibi for...
0: What, for taking a
2: shit? Well, no, he doesn't have an alibi from nine thirty six until
1: eleven he fifteen. He's in his
0: house th- packing.
1: But the Bronco wasn't there. They noticed the car wasn't there, right? Right.
0: Well, was it his Bronco though, or was it Cato's? No, it's his. I don't it's even
2: his. know if Cato had a fucking car. Kato Stop. Car.
0: <laughs> I t- this has become a smear campaign against Cato, and I will not stand for that.
1: Well, no. Uh, Reported the limo driver. He said when he got there, the the Bronco wasn't there, but when they pulled away, it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we'll get into us in, in a little bit of uh, some evidence about about the uh, the Bronco that wasn't and allowed so to be put in, in or wasn't allowed to be shown at, at trial.
0: So from the time they got back from McDonald's to the time the limo driver picked up OJ, that's when they're saying the murders occurred. Right. Allegedly. Because they that's what prosecutors would say.
2: Right. Because the bodies were found at 1210. They said they had been dead. Who about the two fuck's hours. walking their
0: dog at 1210 at night? I guess living in a baller neighborhood. And it's true. It's L.A., man. It's different. That's mm-hmm. true because they don't go to work till like what 10, 11?
2: So, like we were saying, O.J. didn't have an alibi for that that window of time. Other than that, he was just waiting at home for the limo. So, based on the forensics in the coroner report, the coroner's report, prosecution believes that that the murders went down like this. O.J. was furious that he wasn't allowed to sit with Nicole at the dance recital or was invited to dinner with the rest of the family. After getting home from McDonald's with Cato Kalen, he tried to call his girlfriend he was dating at the time named Paula. She didn't answer due to issues that they were having with each other, so he was completely shut down by both Nicole and Paula. And just decided that was it. Like, fuck this. You know, all control is lost at this point with women, you know. So Maybe just get a
1: hooker and fucking
0: relax. (laughs) I don't understand this. Or or order the double quarter pounder with cheese and you'd be sleeping (laughs) like a baby by now.
2: So he went to, OJ went to Nicole's house and confronted her in the walkway. He hit her on the left side of her head with either his hand or the butt of the knife knocking her to the ground and then stabbed her four times in the left side of the neck as she tried to fight him off, producing the defensive wounds on her hands. Those four stabs would have, those were fatal stabs. Those would have killed her eventually. She would have bled to death. OJ hears Ron Goldman approaching the house and hides. Ron sees Nicole on the ground bleeding and bends down to check on her. OJ comes up on Ron from behind with the knife and holds it to his throat. And they, they think that OJ taunts Rob, or no, I'm saying, Rob, taunts Ron with the knife, cutting him five times on the side of his face, presumably thinking that Ron uh, was in a romantic relationship with Nicole. And they said that those five were like pokes, like taunting gesture, like yeah. poking at him, like talking shit to him. OJ cuts Ron with two quick slashing motions across his neck, but not enough to kill him. So Ron fights back, like we were saying earlier, he's a black belt, grabbed OJ by his left uh, left arm to get free and turn around, resulting in the left-handed glove being pulled off of OJ. Then Ron is backed into the walkway with fencing to his back and to the left, and then a tree to the right in OJ in front of him. So he's basically just completely boxed in. With O.J., you know, or the perpetrator, whatever, slashing at him and stabbing at him.
0: Well, but again, you're reading the prosecution story. Right, so yeah. I was going to clarify that at the end anyways. I mean, this is their story of what happened. Right. So.
2: So Ron suffered multiple stab wounds, but ultimately he gets stabbed in the left side of his abdomen, se- severing his abdominal artery, causing him to fall and bleed to death within about, they said it would take about a minute to two minutes to, to, just, to you would just fill up with blood and, yeah. and bleed out from them. You can see that in the crime scene photos too. His left leg is just completely soaked in blood. OJ then goes back to Nicole, picks her head up by the back of her hair and slits her throat severing everything in her neck and causing almost an almost inch deep cut into one of her and vertebrae. At
0: this point she's up dead or pretty about close to dead. it, yeah. And yeah. now he's just going back to just be the 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 uh alleged perpetrator of the crime was going back to be just
2: This was evil. like a I show you
1: it indicates rage and in a personal, yeah. you know, it's not someone just walking by and robbing somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't work like that.
2: This, yeah, this is like a like a I I'll show you type thing. Yep. So OJ goes back to Ron, grabs him by the right side of his shirt, which you can see in the crime scene photos too. His his shirt's pulled up on the right side, transferring twenty five hairs from his hand because he grabbed Nicole by the back of her head and transferred those twenty five hairs to Ron's shirt. And then stabbed him four times deep into the side of his neck. And that's another, I'll show you type thing, which he, I, you would assume he thought that they were dating because Ron was dead already at this point. He, it right. took him two minutes to bleed out, they said. So he goes back to him and stabs him four times in the side of the neck. It's just absolute like blind it's, rage. You just, yeah, just snap.
1: Exactly. I don't know if we I, talked I, about this later, or before, or whatever, but so OJ filmed like. Uh um, a pilot show called Frogman with the Navy SEALs, where he received kind of you know Navy SEAL type training and weaponry and stuff. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like I knew just like a month before this happened.
2: I knew about Frog. I didn't know that he received training yeah. well,
0: before this happened. Yeah, he did all like the like show never aired
1: because obviously after this, You're right? They, uh, the Navy they, they like, bagged uh, it. But no, thank you. Yeah, it was called Frogman and OJ training with the Navy SEALs. Huh, it's interesting. That's that's
2: the general. Theory that the, the, the prosecution uh, timeline has. of what happened—it right. makes sense. Forensics-wise, it does, and in the time in the timeline of according to the times, isn't even really a theory. I mean, that's generally what the yeah. rundown was, yeah. and he has no alibi for that that time frame. So, so OJ hired high-profile lawyer Robert Shapiro, who was generally just a celebrity fixer lawyer. He didn't really have any uh, trial experience.
1: They said he liked to cut deals. Right, yeah. yeah. Plead plea bargain guy.
2: Yeah. Robert Shapiro brought in F. Lee Bailey, who was the top of the top criminal defense lawyer.
1: Yeah. He uh defended uh Sam Shepard in Cleveland. It was one of his famous cases.
2: He did okay. the Boston Strangler, Boston too. Boston Strangler,
0: yeah. yeah. He's all over the place.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a big-time lawyer. And then they brought in Robert Kardashian, which was longtime best friend of OJ and it,
1: father of future porn star and, and ray J fuck toy
0: Kim Kardashian. <laughs> That's a very true statement. It's not it's not uh, it's not right. For wrong. as many times as we will use the term allegedly tonight, that is not allegedly. No. Nope. That is a very factual statement. Yeah it,
1: he was a lawyer but he uh not a practice. Like he, they had to admit him to the bar. I think even to do this right. Yeah, he had to re-
2: He had to renew his license yeah. to. He came to out of retirement
1: this. for this. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It was his swan song. He had that interesting like skunk, uh, uh, like gray hair streak yeah. up the front. I don't know even know. I don't think I could ever point out what he looked like. Oh really? I don't think I've ever seen him. Yeah, I wonder
2: about that. Is that I wonder about that. Like is that was that intentional or was that like a for real cause that streak was a little it's That's weird. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like just right up the yeah. the front of his hair there.
0: Know. Are you trying to imply that a Kardashian did something not natural <laughs> to their body? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> So on June 17th,
2: 1994, OJ was to be charged with with two counts of first-degree murder with no bail. A deal was worked out between the prosecution and Robert Shapiro that OJ would turn himself in by 11 a.m. to avoid a, quote, media circus. And because they believed that OJ was potentially suicidal, best friend Al A.C. Cowings was... uh, was staying with OJ until it was time for him to turn was until it was time to turn himself in. At some point OJ convinced AC to uh to drive him in an attempt to flee more than 1000 reporters had gathered to see OJ turn himself in and when he didn't show up at 1:50 p.m. the LAPD's chief spokesman publicly declared that OJ was a fugitive and issued an arrest warrant for AC. And they were pissed. Fuck so yeah, they were mad. Did you
0: so Dave because this... I actually find this part from, like, up until, like, through the chase, the most interesting part of the story. Mm-hmm. Do you remember watching this live then? Like, were you following this that day or I, not so much? I, do, I really
1: can't remember. Like, I remember watching it, but I don't remember if I watched it live or on the news later.
0: Yeah. Like the like the part I, about him no-showing no for the warrant.
1: Yeah. You I, probably I, watched
0: the chase live. I don't... mean, I, I we're also three hours ahead of them, so, yeah. you know, they're saying... One fifty, or it's already four fifty. You might be coming home from work. Yeah, I can't you place know. that yeah. in my
1: memories, All whether right. I watched it live or on the news. Later. Okay, but the the
2: press conference, man, they were yeah, they were hot. They were not thrilled. You made them look like idiots. Yeah, at five p.m., Robert Kardashian read a letter to the media that was written by O.J. And in the letter, uh, OJ stated he had nothing to do with Nicole and Ron's murders. And he asked the media to leave his kids alone, which with all this media shit, they actually did leave his kids alone, which was surprising for. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, how old were his kids at this time?
2: But, I mean, they've even left his kids alone up until today. No one. They've never really bothered his as kids. they should.
0: Good.
1: Yeah.
2: But the tone of the letter it really sounded like a suicide note. And then Robert Shapiro got on TV and, and urged O. J to just peacefully turn himself in.
1: In the in the FX series, Kardashian goes into the room, goes back to the house with all OJ's family, he goes and tells him that they have reason to believe he's killed himself. Like I don't know if that's real or not, but that, it was
2: wild. That um that series is based off the that book, uh, The Run for His Life. And it's
0: Seems pretty who accurate. Wrote yeah. who wrote that. Um Jeffrey Tubin. Yeah. It's, he he was just just a reporter, or a, he wasn't I, I like inside know. knowledge necessarily. He was a
2: law student of Dershowitz, yeah. And yeah. he and he uh, he's actually the reporter at the time that found what we'll, we'll get into later that some of the racist stuff that Mark Furman okay. initially said who was the police
0: officer that, that found the, the glove. glove,
2: yeah. Okay, so news news helicopters were out searching for OJ on the la highway system and around 6 20 p.m someone uh driving spotted ac driving the white bronco with oj in the back and called the california highway patrol
0: and so dave this is something you don't remember if you watch this live i really don't
1: no hmm. like i remember the trial and stuff but i don't remember watching this live i think i watched that just on the news i don't remember but they were all live uh live footage man oh, every yeah. fucking network was covering it
2: so police officer Ruth Dixon saw the Bronco heading north on I-405. When she caught up to AC, he yelled out the window uh, to back off that OJ had a gun to his head cuz they were only driving like thirty five miles per hour. slow speed yeah. chase. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob Tur of KCBS TV was the first to find uh, to find OJ from a news helicopter. And then nine other helicopters joined in and were following the
0: chase. Fucking uh, traffic jam up in the sky with those helicopters.
1: If that was us, they would have had tech strips out and they would have lit that fucking Bronco up with machine guns. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: that's what the... in the, um, In OJ... In the Made for America or Made in America documentary, Bob Turz on there talking about it, and because he said that that, I mean he made a career out of doing that, following the high speed chases, and he said any other person would have been taken out and got the fuck beat out of them. Exactly. Yeah. Detective Tom Lang, who had interviewed OJ about the murders on June 13th, realized that he had OJ's cell phone number and just started repeatedly calling him. So he finally got a hold of him and pleaded with O.J. to to throw the gun out of the window for the sake of his his mother and his his children. O.J. apologized for not turning himself earlier in that day and responded that he was, quote, the only one who deserved to get hurt and was going to, quote, just go be with Nicole.
1: It sounds like an innocent
2: guy. Yeah, right. Um, he asked Lang to, quote, just let me get to the house and said, quote, I need the gun for me.
0: So it sounds like he's going to go to his house and kill himself. Yeah. I mean that's what you would right. gather well, from Initially he's
2: yeah. yeah, initially he said he wanted to go to Nicole's grave and then it switched to he just Was want- she already buried
0: at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah. Well they sh- in the in the FX series they showed him stopping at the gravesite.
2: Yeah. And cuz yeah, he they were shocked that he showed up to her funeral or her wake. The family was mm. was shocked that he actually showed up to it. But yeah, um Yeah, it started off with that and then he started to say he wanted to just go home and call his mom. They wanted to talk to his mom. ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN because at the time CNN was the only uh, cable cable news network and all the local news outlets interrupted their broadcast to show the chase it was watched by 95 million people and to uh, put it in comparison 90 million watched the uh the super bowl the year before yeah, so it's nuts yeah
0: it's a fuck ton of people and dave was not one of them apparently i just
1: i, I can't <laughs> place it as and you know like there's certain things you remember no, where you were when it happened pro- you very
0: well could have watched it you just don't yeah, remember yeah i
1: just don't remember i don't know honestly have something it sounds more like
0: it going sounds on. like you didn't have much of a choice every fucking station yeah. was showing it yeah, yeah. Well, that's,
2: NBC started to see that the uh, the ratings of the other channels, so they decided to cut in on the New York Knicks and Houston Rockets and game five of the NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets to show that. I bet people love that. In, in the York. middle of
0: an NBA Finals game, too. That's yep. crazy.
2: Yeah, they said people at like, bars and everything, they just. All of a sudden, the bars were packed for that and shit, and they just turned it off for for the chase. Domino's Pizza also later reported that they had all-time pizza sales during the chase that beat out the
1: previous uh, Super Bowl sales. That's fucking crazy. Because yeah. Domino's is the most disgusting
0: pizza on the planet? Is that why it's crazy? Well... <laughs> Well, they apparently rebranded a few years ago and changed their whole process for making the pizzas and everything. I
1: think Domino's was actually good back then, but now they're terrible.
0: Well, but again, in recent <laughs> years, they allegedly changed and got better. Their, I don't know. Their pizza I is cannot, awful. I cannot tell you the last time we had Domino's. Pizza yeah. I don't Do we even have them in town? Yes, it's terrible. Where are they at? They are uh solid. People can figure it out next
1: to <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, the same building there.
0: Oh yeah, it's. It's terrible. You almost make me want to try it though again to see. It's not good. Maybe next time we record it, I'm going to get us Domino's pizza. Do it. And we're going to take we're going to eat it on air and record it and All we're right. just going to we're going to talk the story okay. and eat the All pizza. Right. All right, someone remind me of that. All right. <laughs> someone tweet us or Instagram us and remind uh remind Mike that we need I need to pick up a Domino's pizza. <laughs> a lar- one large pepperoni and we'll eat it. And we'll talk on air about whatever uh, next week topic is uh, going to be. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Maybe I'll get an East of Chicago
1: backup pizza. <laughs> so there's something edible to eat.
2: <laughs> because it was going so slow, thousands of people started to, to gather on the overpasses on the highway with signs and stuff that said, like, go OJ and free OJ and shit.
0: Free orange juice? <laughs> I'm in. Pulp or no pulp? Last. This is the last <laughs> sidebar. For five minutes. Pulp or no pulp? I hate pulp. It's disgusting. I don't mind it. You but should not have to chew your juice. I like heavy pulp, sorry. Do you? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and a heavy a heavy dose of champagne. You've too. already <laughs> lost your...
0: So now I think Domino's might be pretty awesome. You yeah. just don't like chunks of pulp floating in your pizza. That's what it lots sounds of pulp,
1: like. lots of champagne. I'm good to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't
2: mind it either way. It doesn't matter to me either way. But we always this get. guy just
0: wants mimosas, apparently, yeah. <laughs> with chunks of orange pulp in it. <laughs> Fucking awful.
2: OJ reportedly demanded that um, that he wanted to that he be allowed to speak to his mother before he he would surrender. The chase ended at eight p.m. at Rockingham, where his son Jason ran out of the house and was pleading with his dad to just
1: come out of the car. While how
0: t- old was Jason at this point? Teen years. Okay, I
1: think he was older than that. Was he? I mean he was didn't he marry Marguerite in seventy one and they had the kids?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's from the first marriage. Yeah. So
1: he's almost thirty then, roughly.
0: Uh, well, no, because yeah, that'd have been sort of about, right. about twenty three years later. Yeah. I mean they represented years, him as So maybe older, in
1: the movie, I guess is what yeah. I was thinking. But yeah, you might be right.
2: While he was trying to talk his dad into getting out of the car, there was twenty seven SWAT team members positioned around waiting after staying in the bronco for about 45 minutes oj got out at 8:50 p.m. with a frame with frame photos of his family and went inside for about an hour a police spokesman stated that he talked to his mom and drank an orange a glass of orange juice while he talked
1: to her. <laughs> oh <my>. ridiculous
0: <laughs> well, the guy can't just have orange juice <laughs> it's just he's got to forever be shunned from drinking <laughs> orange juice because of his initials <laughs>
2: Robert Shapiro showed up, and O.J. surrendered a few minutes later. Uh, inside the Bronco, they found $8,000 in cash, um, a change of clothing, a loaded 357 Magnum, a passport, family pictures, and a fake goatee and mustache.
1: Again, if it's us, the sniper, you know, puts a hole in our head.
2: It, oh, yeah. We wouldn't be sitting there for 45 minutes no. with a loaded gun. no. At this time, it was, like, damage control for the LAPD, too. They didn't want to do anything with the world watching with this because Rodney King had just happened. That's true. That's Um, a good point. And, wow, what's the other girl's name? Latasha. Can't remember her last name. Who's that? The teenage, the African-American teenage girl that got into an argument with a Korean store owner about... um, Latasha uh, yeah Latasha Harlan's. and mm. the Korean woman shot her for no good reason mm. but then the issue was that the uh the judge only gave the store owner 5 years probation okay and so between that and Rodney King the yeah. African American community was um, it was a pretty uh like reaching a boiling point yeah out there understandably yeah OJ was booked at the Parker Center at Parker Center and taken to the Men's Central Jail, AC was booked on suspicion of harboring a fugitive and was held on $250,000 bail.
0: I so, was sorry. I was reading that story about that girl, oh yeah. that 15-year-old. It's mm. fucking terrible. Yeah. She shot her in the back of the head because she thought she stole a $2 bottle of orange juice. The girl, when she they found her body, had the money in her hand that she was going to pay. Yeah. It's fucking vid- terrible.
2: There's videos of that of people storm in the, the court
0: and the, the, the ladies served no you probably said that and served no jail time <clears> she got five
2: years probation
1: looks so when people share that oj got off i mean it's not out of nowhere it's, right you know it
0: was in context. they were, the were looking all for all a, they, they were looking for a win yeah and they got a win yeah
2: this and yeah. it really
0: does i mean it makes you think a little bit different at least it makes me think a little bit differently about it like he was guilty <clears> as shit But to their community, like, they had been fucked over so many times. Yeah. Now we know what it's like to be fucked over. You got a a beautiful white woman brutally murdered, and nothing's going to happen about it. You had a a gorgeous 15-year-old black girl shot in the back of the head because someone thought she stole a $2 bottle of orange juice when she had the money in her hand to pay for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's
0: a... I know, this is probably, we're off topic (laughs) still, but
2: In further evidence of O.J. being disconnected with the African-American community. As he was driven away and he saw the crowds, which many of whom were African-Americans cheering him on, O.J. said, quote, what are all these blanks doing in Brentwood?
1: And by blanks, we mean racial slur, so. Yeah. <laughs> See, O.J.'s Cause... state of mind. <laughs> on June 20th,
2: 1994, O.J. was arraigned and pled not guilty to both murders and the following day a grand jury was held to further the indictments but on june 23rd the grand jury was dismissed due to excessive media coverage and they thought that it could jeopardize the neutrality of the uh of the process so this is where we get back to what you were saying dave about the uh, the bronco being gone Mm -hmm. the limo driver seeing it right right, right yeah so during the grand jury uh This woman named Jill Shively, she was a Brentwood resident, testified that she saw O.J. speeding away from the area of Nicole's house on the night of the murders and told the grand jury that the Bronco had almost collided with a Nissan at the intersection of Bundy and San Vicente Boulevard. Another grand jury witness, a cutlery salesman named Jose Camacho, said that he sold O.J. a 15-inch German-made knife that was similar to the murder or what they suspected because they never found the murder weapon, but would yeah. would be similar to something that could cause the uh, the injuries that Nicole and Ron had. Uh, the, he sold this to him three weeks before the killing. The prosecution they weren't able to use this evidence against O.J. because both of these witnesses sold their stories to the media. And Joel Shively talked to a hard copy on TV for five thousand dollars, and Camacho sold his story to the National Enquirer for twelve thousand five hundred. The Jose guy, whatever, but Jill Shively's testimony is huge. Yeah. And to not be able yeah. to use that because she sold her story. They were
1: The prosecutors were big on her testimony until that happened. Yeah.
0: So the prosecutors not tell her, like after they spoke with her, hey, you need to keep your mouth shut about this. Yeah. Not Don't do anything stupid. Like, she made five grand, though. Prosecutor Marsha Clark
2: said there's an interview with her talking about that and she's like she was a solid witness and mm-hmm. we had talked and told her, you know, you can't talk to anybody and then all of a sudden boom she's on TV talking about Hard copy. <laughs> talking about
1: what she saw. Was was that when Bill O'Reilly was on hard copy? Was he on hard copy?
0: we'll that do that, it live <laughs> is that what that's from
1: yeah I think or inside so edition or oh, Inside
0: Edition inside, is inside that what edition? Bill O'Reilly, I only know him from the O'Reilly Factor
2: yeah yeah that was the no spin? fuck it
0: we'll do it live
2: <laughs> I love that video
0: <laughs> fuck it I'll read it we'll do it live <laughs> fucking, fucking thing sucks <laughs> if you can take that clip of Dave and I doing that in sync and auto tune it <laughs> that would be fantastic
1: <laughs>
0: look at our bars <laughs>
2: <laughs> Since the grand jury failed, a probable cause hearing was held on whether or not to bring O.J. to trial. And on July 7th, 1994, it was determined that there was enough evidence to to take the case to trial. O.J. was arraigned a second time on July 22nd, where he pled, quote, absolutely 100% not guilty.
1: So how does that work? How do you, I, I thought the Fifth Amendment says you have to be indicted by a grand jury. How it? How do you dismiss a grand jury? Like I don't, I don't know that process. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't.
2: I guess you can do a probable cause hearing. I didn't know that existed. Hmm. Or
1: yeah, I'm not sure. Okay.
2: So the prosecution decided not to seek the death penalty because historically, uh, death penalty cases are are tough for juries to uh, to rule on. And since he was such a beloved celebrity, it would be hard for to put him to death. I mean, that's what that's kind of what happened. in... um. Casey Anthony's case. You mean because she was smoking hot? (laughs) Because they went (laughs) for the death penalty. And she was innocent?
0: (laughs) I didn't know they went for the death penalty on
2: that. She was not innocent. They went too hard on that. That's one of the big big criticisms was that they went for death. In October of 94, Judge Lance Ito started interviewing 304 potential jurors. And on November 3rd, 12 jurors were selected. Or 12 jurors and 12 alternates were, were seated. The jury ended up being nine African-American members, two white and one Hispanic, with the majority being uh, African-American women. The prosecution was concerned about the jury because polling and with the questionnaire showed that the African-American women members held resentment due to the fact that OJ was married to a white woman. But the resentment wasn't towards OJ, it was towards Nicole. And they also did not have sympathy for the domestic violence
1: aspect of the evidence, yeah, like there was a whole thing with the That's jury consultant that the prosecution had, and they didn't, they, they, they differed, and the, the, the jury consultant told them, you know, you don't, you don't want African American women on this jury, and Marsha Clark disagreed, and
2: yeah, she said no, I, yeah, I can, I relate with them. I've had good experiences with African American women on juries before. But she was
0: looking at herself. She wasn't looking at the actual case and how they were polling then right
2: yeah well it was getting, learning, if, if,
0: if the polling is based off what you just told us why would you you it seems like African American women are exactly what you don't want
2: well it was getting to the point though with people where I know Marcia Clark said that after a certain point she was like I need to quit while I'm ahead and just agreed to some of the jurors because she was said she was going through the list and it was just getting worse for her as far as favorable jurors were concerned mm-hmm. But, I mean, on the, uh, there's an interview with one of the jurors that was an African-American woman, and she straight out says, I have no respect for a woman that stays in a situation like that. I don't care about it at all. She was one of the jurors? Mm-hmm. Jeez. So And they said, too, that as soon as they put forth that domestic violence evidence and it went right over the jury's head, they were like, we're done. We, we know this is going to be an upheld battle now. Yeah. If they don't care about the fact that there's a history of domestic violence, then... How are we supposed yeah, to lay that this would be, out?
0: That would be a major, that's the major part of this case. Yeah. The domestic violence and his, alle- his alleged multiple threats to kill her. Yeah. I
1: personally do not think most people are smart enough to sit on a jury and I would always choose a judge trial. Over I a jury agree with trial. you. You're taking- I think most people are imbeciles <laughs> and they don't, know how to think logically about evidence and reasonable doubt and any of that. So I would well, always I choose a think People a also judge. could
0: get too emotional too. And if you're a good attorney and can play to their emotions, then yeah. they're I think they will forget evidence quicker and then just go to their emotions and vote that
1: I just think and, most people aren't very bright and I don't think most people are qualified to sit on a jury. I mean any old any person can Yeah. And the people that end up on a jury are the people who aren't smart enough to get out of jury duty.
2: <laughs> I mean, let's be honest,
1: so I would always choose a
0: judge. I like jury duty. I only got well, to I do would it like one it too, time. but you know, yeah. most people are not smart. I only got to go on jury duty one no. time and I didn't get to do anything fun. I would love to be like actually selected
2: yeah no i would I would not trust that absolutely not no there's that guy bringing up Casey Anthony again. there's that young guy that uh got selected for that case. And then just immediately turned around and went out and spoke to the media. And then they brought him in and held yeah. him in contempt of court. And the judge was like, did you do this to get out of jury, dude? And he was like, yep, 100%. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm, nope. <laughs> immediately got himself thrown in contempt of court. Wow.
0: <laughs> I mean, well,
1: I don't know what the answer is, whether it's, you know, professional juries or something where you actually do IQ tests on who, the, you know, who's going to sit on a jury. But I,
2: yeah. So with the trial date of January 24th approaching details about the prosecution star witness being a racist started to come out, which was Mark Furman. He was the police officer who found the glove. He was exposed by the media for pre for previously using racial slurs and more would come out later. But initially it was found out that Mark had sued the police pension department to be able to quit the force and still receive his pension due to a growing hatred of African-Americans and Hispanics, which he claimed was because of the violent nature of being a police officer.
1: So you made me a racist asshole, so Mm. I want to retire and get my pension. The guy that that
2: wrote the book. Tubin. Yeah, he's the one that found this out. Okay. He said that his law professor, Dershowitz, he called him and said, oh, this case seems like it's pretty strong against OJ. And Dershowitz said, I don't know. You got to look at this, look at this cop, this uh-huh. Mark Furman. So he started digging. He said he was looking for where he was the defendant, like someone was suing him or he was in trouble right, for something. Right. And that's when he found that he, that Furman was actually suing the, the police yeah, pension yeah. thing to get his pension and be able to quit. And those documents are littered with some racial slurs that are very rough. Hmm now with the issue of race coming into the case famous civil rights lawyer Johnny Cochran was hired on and became OJ's main attorney which completed what the media called OJ's dream team and wasn't
0: this the same time as the actual like NBA dream team wasn't this around like wasn't that like the 94 Olympics was it that sounds right yeah, yeah it was like know, the 94 man. Olympics when like it was like Jordan Charles Barkley yeah yeah, yeah wasn't even, no, Magic Johnson was done by then, wasn't he?
2: I think he was. Yeah, he was done in the 80s. Okay.
0: Yeah, but it was like, it was the NBA, or the the basketball dream team, and now you got this dream team.
1: And I think Magic played past the 80s. Did he?
2: I thought he got, it was like Like 89. All right, I'm going right now to Google, and we're (laughs) going to look up the dream team. Well, while you're doing that, side note, it was uh, estimated at $50,000 a day. For OJ's defense team,
1: and it was like eight or nine
0: months, or even more, for the yeah, trial. It's a lot of money. That's so nuts. the dream team was the '92 Olympics. Oh, okay, game. Olympics. What a magic! Oh, Larry Bird was a part of it. Oh, there you go. Damn. David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Karl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, Magic fucking Johnson. Was he on it? All right. And I skipped a few names that I didn't know, but like uh Drex uh Clyde Drexler. Drexler, um, Christian Leitner. Leitner, yeah. That's it. That's no, a no hell rest. of basketball That's team. That's a of basketball Oh, and Chris team. Mullen.
2: That's a fucking dream team, yeah. man. On Johnny Cochran, too. I mean, he was like from watching that documentary and listening to people talk about him, mean, like he was a hero in the black community, yeah. in the African American yeah, community. Absolutely. I mean, he went he went to bat aggressively for civil rights stuff, but I mean, he, he also did celebrity. He was very flashy. Mm I mean, he defended a showman. Yeah. Eh. He defended Michael Jackson in his first, uh, child, uh, molestation.
0: I think we have like what? 78 pages of notes on that one. (laughs) Ian.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Johnny did that one too. So, I mean, he was, he was all over the place, but so their theory was that because Mark Furman had, was an obvious racist, that he was super pissed that O.J. was married to a white woman and planted the glove at Rockingham to frame O.J. And the defense also put forth the idea that O.J. couldn't have committed the murders because of his bad knees and arthritis, because, like we said earlier, that Ron Goldman was a black belt in karate and was about 20 years younger than O.J.
1: I mean, it's a smart defense. What else are you going to say? I mean, the yeah. amount of evidence is astounding in this case. Yeah, so you have to do something like
2: that. Y- yeah, I mean, yeah. There is no that's, that's it. The thing about this is they never put forth a defense, a, right? The yeah. actual. They th-
0: just broke down the evidence and uh, they poked hole, holes in the prosecution, right? But that's usually,
2: but usually, you would have to put forth uh, someone else that committed the murder in a murder trial. You would you generally have to blame somebody else for it. There was no other no theory. I don't know theory. enough about
0: the trials for that. I would just think that you would have to give the jury doubt. So poke holes oh. as much as you could in yeah. the evidence and just say, well, look, there's this and there's this. And just give them that reasonable doubt to vote. Yeah. I mean, May. the amount of blood
1: and DNA evidence in this case is yeah. just, it's a hundred times any other case. It's—it's it's, There's just
0: well, tons, well and, and there's I think, tons
1: of it. I think we're going to get into that yeah. in just here a second.
2: So yeah, let's let's just go over everything that was provided to the jury. Um, so the DNA analysis of the blood discovered on a pair of O.J. Simpson socks found in then these were found in his bedroom. The DNA on those were identified as Nicole's. The blood had DNA characteristics matched by approx approximately only one in nine point seven billion, with odds falling to one out of twenty one billion when compiling the results of the test done, and they did these at two separate DNA labs. And that's the thing about the IQ thing with the jurors that we were talking about earlier, because they didn't understand DNA. They just didn't
1: get it. And and it was new.
2: Well,
1: this was the the first time it was done, right? And when I was talking about IQs, I I just mean in general. I think most people just aren't smart enough to absorb details. I don't mean this jury in particular. Right, no, yeah. Just overall, I think it. there's a case to be made for professional juries where...
0: Well, shouldn't the prosecution have done a better job then of explaining the significance of this? Um, like you would think then that... Did they do a good job, and the jury just still didn't get it?
1: I no, I just think there was a lot more play here. There, there's you could a, have lot, a lot. They had reams and reams of all the evidence, and I don't yeah. think they were ever going to convict them.
2: But that's just one of the criticisms that the prosecution brings up: is that they just didn't get it.
1: And I don't think that's necessarily an IQ thing. It's just it was new evidence, right? New types of yeah, you know.
2: So both socks had about twenty statins of blood on them. And the blood made a similar pattern on both sides of the socks. And there's a defense medical expert, Dr. Henry Lee, of the Connecticut State Police Forensic Science Laboratory, testified that the only way that such a pattern would appear is that if Simpson had a, quote, hole in his ankle or a drop of blood was placed on the sock while it was being worn. Not Uh, being worn. Not being worn, sorry. Lee also testified that the collection procedure of the socks could have caused contamination. Which we're going to get into that. There's a lot of fuck-ups with It was a diabetes. sloppy investigation. It was very sloppy. The DNA analysis of blood found in, on, and near Simpson's Bronco revealed traces of OJ's, Nicole's, and Ron's blood all mixed together. Like we said earlier, there were strands of hair. There was 25 strands of hair, of Nicole's hair, that were found on Ron's shirt, which they suspected was from OJ grabbing the back of her head and then, uh, then Ron's shirt. There were several coins found along with fresh blood drops behind uh, Nicole's condo in the area where the cars were parked. That also matched their blood. DNA analysis of blood on the left-hand glove found outside Nicole's home showed it was a mixture of OJ's, Nicole's, and Ron's blood. Although the glove was soaked in blood, there were no blood drops leading up to or away from the glove, and no other blood was found in the area of the glove except on the glove. Mm. The gloves contained particles of hair consistent with Ron's and a hat contained carpet fibers consistent with fibers from OJ's bronco. The black knit cap at the crime scene can also contain strands of African American hair that were linked to OJ. Several strands of dark blue cotton fibers were found on Ron and the prosecution presented a witness who said that OJ wore a similarly colored sweatsuit that night. The left-hand glove found at Nicole's home and the right-hand glove found at OJ's home were an exact match. They presented the the domestic violence stuff from the 89 incident and the photos that she had in her safety deposit box with pictures of, of the beatings and stuff. There were bloody shoe prints at the crime scene that basically just led I mean, the the blood evidence with this is is ridiculous. Like if you look at like the layout, like it basically just leads. It's a trail. It's
1: an overwhelming amount of evidence. Right back to yes. his house.
2: But there's bloody shoe prints at the crime scene that were identified by FBI shoe expert William Bozak as having been made by a pair of extremely rare and expensive Bruno Magalli. Molly, Molly, Bruno Molly shoes.
0: Oh, bougie ass Dave over there knows what the <laughs> hell that is. just watched the fucking FX thing. Mm-hmm. Bruno Molly. Mm-hmm. Now you got a pair of Br- Bruno Mollies in your closet, <laughs> don't you?
2: So there are only twenty nine pairs of this style shoe that were sold in the U.S. in the si- large size twelve, matched O.J. Simpson's shoe size. In trial, O.J.'s defense attorney said that the prosecution had no proof that he had ever bought these shoes. and There were no witnesses who testified to selling O.J. the shoes, and there wasn't any receipts recovered that, that, that indicated that he had actually bought them. But a freelance photographer named uh, E.J. Flammer claimed to have found a photograph he had taken of O.J. in 1993 that appeared to show him wearing these shoes at a public event which was later published in the National Enquirer. OJ's defense team claimed that, that the photograph was doctored, but other pre nineteen ninety four photos show appear to show O.J. wearing these shoes that were later discovered and published after the the trial mm. was concluded. OJ's DNA expert Barry Schecht conducted an eight day cross examination of the criminalists Evidence collected by the LAPD criminalist Dennis Fung was criticized by the defense. He admitted to have, quote, missed a few drops of blood on the fence near the bodies on the stand. And he said that he, quote, returned several weeks later afterwards to collect them. Fung admitted that he had not used rubber gloves when collecting some of the evidence, but the blood tested had no DNA from Fung within published guidelines. So, I mean, his DNA wasn't there, Yeah. but he still didn't use gloves.
1: Right.
2: Um, and he admitted to missing some drops of blood and then going back to take pictures of him. So de- Detective Van Ayr testified he saw photographs of press personnel leaning on OJ's Bronco before evidence was collected. LAPD scientist Andrea Mazzola, who collected blood samples from OJ to compare with evidence at the crime scene, She was a trainee who carried a vial of O.J.'s blood around in her lab coat pocket for nearly a week before handing it over as an exhibit. Detectives at the crime scene also placed a blanket over Nicole's body that came from inside her house that Barry Schecht argued could have transferred physical evidence of O.J. to her body at the crime scene.
1: So there's overwhelming evidence, but there's also a lot of mistakes and a lot of chain of custody issues here. Yeah. and open them up to to criticism of of the whole process.
2: Barry Shack destroyed that Dennis Fung guy. Oh, 100%. He put that dude through the ringer. Yep. And, And rightfully so, to be honest. I mean, to not wear used gloves... Yeah. Is ridiculous. They have a trainee holding blood overnight.
1: Oh, there's all kinds of stuff.
2: Yep. That kind of shows about the blood being planted. If you're holding a vial of his blood. there's no In the timeline, it doesn't make sense. Right. Because they didn't have his blood yet. Right. But. It plants reasonable doubt. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. it makes you think, like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. You know.
1: If they can't be trusted, the performance process you know the right way. Right, the defense
0: is doing their job absolutely perfectly. Yeah, they're kicking the prosecution's ass. Yeah, you can't be sloppy in things like this. No. So next we're going to get into the uh, police officer Mark Furman and maybe a bit of his uh, not great background. Yeah, and uh, how that helped the defense. Right. All right, we'll be right back. We like to drink beer, a lot of it, after a long
1: night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies. There's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than Just Brew Coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check them out in social media and remember, they roast, you just brew. Check out their new online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. Mark Furman, the police
2: officer that found the glove at OJ's house, He's the one that jumped the fence right? because they had reasonable yeah. cause. He gave his his testimony on whatever, uh, on what he had found. And then he was cross-examined by F. Lee Bailey, which has got to be the worst position to be in, to be cross-examined by that guy. Right. Brutal. But so they knew behind the scenes that, that the the lawsuit existed of Furman saying the N word and saying other racist stuff. So F Lee Bailey cornered him and just flat out asked him if he used the N word to describe African-Americans in the past 10 years. And at that point, it's like if he says, yeah, right. He's an admitted racist yeah, he in like front of, of the whole world. Yeah.
0: And if he says no, well, they, they got, got you, them. they got you by the balls. Yeah. So he said no.
2: And then a few months later, The defense played audio tapes of Furman repeatedly using the word 41 times in total. And these tapes had been made between 1985 and 1994 by a young screenwriter named Laura McKinley. She interviewed Mark Furman for a screenplay that she was writing on police officers. And that's when he tries to claim like he was just acting. But it's like, no, you weren't. You're a police officer. You're not an actor. Right. You're an actual police officer that has the ability to put people in jail and yeah. you're talking like that. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's really ugly, that's ugly terrible. stuff, uh, what he's saying. But.
0: Well, and this is big for the defense. I mean, now you've painted one of the lead cops in on this as, as a huge racist. that's death, big.
1: it's the death blow. Yeah, yeah. for
0: sure. I mean, this yeah. is this is huge. Because now you're planning legitimate doubt. Did this guy have an agenda?
2: Right. Yep. Well, and this, and and now we get to Chris Darden, who uh, was part of the the prosecution. He's he's an African American lawyer, and he just got a tough break with this whole this whole situation. And he was he was brought on right at the time Johnny Cochran was, and it was basically because he was African American, mm-hmm. and the prosecution wanted to show that. And then one of the jurors in an interview said like we saw it as soon as he walked in the courtroom, all of a sudden they had a black guy on with them. They were like, we knew why he was there. Like, we're not stupid. Which
1: is just completely unfair. Yeah.
2: I mean, Cause he's not a bad lawyer. Yeah, He just was stuck in a, in a shitty situation. And the other thing too, is, but
1: even if that wasn't the case, it would look like it's the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. It just, even if he was the best DA that they had, the best assistant DA that they had, it's still going to look like that just that's the perception which is just right. not fair yeah
2: and the thing is too is he was before this he worked for the um the SID right department which was internal in, affairs right, right was yeah. and was investigating right police using excessive uh force and stuff against minorities and I mean there's interviews of him on TV uh, him grilling the police talking about like there's one for a case where he's like the police lied and everybody knows mm-hmm. they lied like he was you know just got stuck in a shitty spot yeah. here mm. but so he with these tapes Chris Darden argued that that word would completely cloud the jury's judgment that as soon as they heard that word talking about the n word right they would not think clearly right About the evidence anymore. And then Johnny Cochran just completely embarrassed him and and grilled him on it that it was offensive to think that African Americans can't handle hearing that word. Right. Without, and I I can
0: see. Which is not necessarily what that guy said. Right. But Johnny Cochran's a fucking master at this and knows how to play it and swing it. He was a
2: master, that dude. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you watch the video from the trial of him doing it, man, he, he he's like he's like, This is a sad day for African Americans. I'm so embarrassed that I even have to stand here and Oh yeah, he smoked them for sure. He killed Chris Darden. And the thing is is him and Chris Darden were friends yeah, before were. this.
0: You know. What happened to Chris Darden after this? I think he's just disappeared.
1: He started his own law firm. Oh, did he? Yeah. He resigned after this trial and started
2: his own law firm. Hmm. but he was uh, Chris Darden was up and coming too and a lot of people thought that he would end up working for Johnny Cochran eventually and they split paths here yeah and all this was going on these tapes while the jury the jury wasn't present for any of this stuff Um, with the jury absent Furman was called back to the witness stand by the defense to answer more questions about discovery of blood marks and the leather glove that that he found
1: so what good does that do if the jury's not there what's the point
2: because they're they're they were um, is it like a separate hearing to debate whether they're yeah. gonna play the tapes? Yeah, I guess I should have said it. so. They okay. um, yeah, I, I I didn't include that in the outline. So they yeah, they, this was there was a separate hearing on to on, include on. the tapes. All right, that makes sense. What could be included? Yeah. Things like that. Because then um, the judge Lance Edo, his wife is a cop, is a is a police officer who was a
1: boss of Furman right right yeah and, and she didn't disclose it
2: yeah and Furman says some shit about her on the tapes so it
1: that's right that's what it was so then
2: it looks like um then it's Lance the e- Lance Edo could be taking what do I want to say
1: taking sides. Purely biased.
2: Right, because his wife is now getting shit on by Mark Furman
1: yeah. in these tapes. There was yes. a lot of these side things that took place in this trial. It's just, just crazy, crazy. It just all, all adds along. up to...
0: There's so much shit with all of this. Exactly.
2: I know, that's why I mean this. This how, is I mean, wild. Be, yeah. Well, I mean
0: that, that new... So doc- wait, explain that again real quick because okay. we kind of just brushed over that. Yeah. Judge Ito's wife was a police officer. That was... The boss of Mark Furman.
1: So when but, Edo got assigned the case, his wife had to sign off on a conflict of interest form.
0: Yeah, and she lied. Saying,
1: and she and she didn't you know, like Mark Furman was on that form, and she didn't indicate that she had had prior interactions with him.
0: Okay, so and her then,
1: husband could get the case, right? Because she knew she knew it would make you know well, hopefully make his career uplift his career. Yeah. Well, but
0: we're assuming that though. Like we don't know that for well, sure. But yeah, sure. But right. So then it, and then. So then Furman, what, starts shitting on her? In the tapes. I can't remember exactly what he says. Yeah. Something about my boss such and such. Yeah. And so that might have pissed the judge off, which now he's looking down against Mark Furman. Well, he
1: has to decide whether they can play these tapes in open court. And the gotcha. thought is this is going to sway right. his decision because okay. his wife's being That's really criticized. interesting. That's really and interesting. So I believe that another judge had to weigh in on this. And decide whether he was able to preside over this hearing. Like it's really complicated. Yeah, they brought in another judge. Yeah. That's
0: why I just wanted to clear it up because that's that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that other judge then okayed it,
1: okayed for him to still rule in this capacity on this on this motion to suppress wow. these tapes. Yeah. So then Ito comes back in and
2: decides that only uh, was it two sentences? Yeah, out of the hours worth of tape was relevant to hear. And Johnny Cochran was pissed. Let me guess none right? of
0: those involved his wife. No. Oh no, no, no. <laughs>
2: it was it was two sentences where Mark Furman says the N-word. And the rest of the world heard this because this was televised. Mm-hmm. So we everybody in the world heard th- this hearing that yeah. happened about these tapes when they were played in full.
0: Yeah. The
1: rest of the world heard it. The jury didn't hear it. The how, jury how was, the
0: fuck does like how was that?
1: Well, because it's a side hearing to determine what you can say in open court. So the jury so doesn't why get to is hear that, that, that public? Because the whole case was televised and the jury yeah. was sequestered. How is that okay? The jury was sequestered.
0: Yeah, I mean, the jury's sitting in a hotel room without a TV or anything. No, I understand how they could do it. Yeah. How is that okay? Like, if this is going to be uh, a hearing as to what can be actually offered up in court. That should be closed off from everybody. But I
2: think this goes back oh. to the fact that the LAPD was in such a...
0: Does that still happen today? In a televised court? Like that that there's stuff that the jury's hidden from that the rest of us will know? Probably. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. So yeah. they're taking the jury's cell phones away. They're not getting on Twitter. They're not getting on Instagram. Oh, no,
1: they couldn't. They took the TVs out of their hotel rooms. They couldn't do anything.
2: Yeah. They were completely. They yeah. weren't allowed talking to talk into each other. It's like a
1: year. Yeah,
0: it was a long time. Yeah. Can you imagine just being that jury? That just seems really weird to me. Like yeah. you're gonna hide stuff from the jury, but you're gonna let the entire world know that here's what we're like. That defeats the whole purpose, but, I think, well, of a of a of a hearing. Well, the thought process of a it, trial.
2: Well, it was because of Rodney King in um what was her last name? Arlington. Latasha Harlington, yeah. they wanted the world to be able to see how this court process worked and that this could be fair and to see that it was I just wasn't think maybe that's
0: something you release after the fact, like a documentary or something. It was you don't all release it live because now you're literally showing how maybe guilty a man is and yet the jury is going to vote innocent because none of this is presented to them. I don't know. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. It yeah. just it shows all the flaws in your court yeah. system. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, and and when these tapes were played to the rest of the world, I mean, it caused, I mean, people were protesting. Because some
1: of the stuff they didn't play was about Furman talking about planning evidence, which is the part that the defense wanted to play in open court. Right. He talked On the tapes, he talks about planning evidence. I thought you guys
0: just said this was all played in court.
1: Just two sentences out of the whole thing.
0: To the jury. the, The defense wanted... But the actual tapes were played in full to the public. In yes a separate no. hearing to determine yes. if they could be played in front so of the jury. So everyone heard the legitimate tapes. Right, right. But the jury heard two sentences. That's correct. And that's what pissed Cochran off. He wanted them to hear all of it. Right, because was t- was, Furman was talking about planning evidence, and that was like, so if we can whole, get that played
1: for the jury. The it, whole it, world
0: yeah. knew Furman was a piece of shit, except those 12 jurors.
1: Well, they
2: knew he was a piece of shit just based off the two sentences. I mean. Yeah.
0: Okay. When
2: Furman was questioned by... Uh, Gerald Uelman he had his lawyer standing or sitting next to him and he invoked the 5th amendment to avoid self-incrimination and any further questioning about this whole situation and the defense cornered him by finishing up the questioning by cuz they didn't get they didn't get him saying that he planted evidence in court but they cornered him by asking him if he had ever planted evidence <coughs> at a crime and then he pleads the 5th to it and that looks like shit yeah, but he has to because if you answer one question, you got to answer them all. Then you can't plead the fifth and then go back on it. So they really fifty k a day was uh, yeah. They got them. They took them paying down. off, man. So then we get to the the most infamous part of this case on uh, on June fifteenth, nineteen ninety five. Effie Bailey go to Chris Darden into asking OJ to put on the leather glove that was found at the crime scene. The defense knew that he was, that this was like an issue, kind of going like, are we going to do it? Are we not? And they, they knew that Chris Darden wanted to do it. So FB, F. Lee Bailey leaned over to him during, um, during like a recess or whatever and said, and told Chris Darden that he said, You have the balls of a field mouse. If you don't put, have him try in the glove, I will. Yep. And Chris Darden was in a position where he was, he was pissed, man. He wanted, uh, he wanted to outshine this thing, you know, and he was getting... But what a
0: what a stupid thing to fall for.
1: Well, like if well because Amarstha is... Clark told him, we're not doing this. Forget no, about Yeah, it. she said, no way.
0: And if the competition's egging you on to do it, that's your first fucking hint. Don't do it. Yep. They have something up their sleeve.
2: But at, by this point, he had been thrown through the ringer so much through this case. He by, was looking for a win. By Johnny Cochran grilling him, mm. and he... yeah. So when Effie Bailey goes, you got the balls of a of a field mouse, you won't do it. It's And he had wanted to do it. He thought this was going to be his big thing. You right. know? So, uh, and like you said, Marsha Clark said, no way, we're not doing it because it had been soaked in blood and frozen and unfrozen multiple times. It was bound to shrink.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: And plus to try it on, O.J. would have to wear latex gloves underneath to preserve evidence. So obviously they did not fit. Johnny Cochran's uh, partner, legal partner that was on the case with him, said that it was like O.J. went into uh, to naked gun mode as soon as he realized that it didn't fit. Like he got up and started like really right. acting it All out. Right. And, right. I, and, like, I remember that. Putting part. on a show. He's just like
1: holding his oh, so, hand so up, so looking you you at This you watch. I this remember part this, this, this part.
2: This part, part yeah. <laughs> Well, this is like the biggest... He just something. shrugs
1: like uh, uh, to the jury. I, I, don't, I don't know. I yeah, can't I mean, put it he, on. He walks right
2: up to him. And yeah. Like, <laughs> and you can tell he's faking part of it. Like, he's like... Well, he's like, yeah, he's yeah. gimmicking it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I feel so bad for Chris Darden in that part because he keeps saying, like, uh, did he put those on in a way that you would suspect some... Or would you would yeah. think someone would put on the gloves? Like, he's trying to make up for this obvious, just brutal disaster. But in May 2008, Mike Gilbert, who was uh, O.J.'s manager, who we were talking about earlier with the whole Marcus Allen stuff, he released a book called How I Helped O.J. Get Away with Murder, and he said that the gloves didn't fit because on his advice, he told O.J. to stop taking his arthritis medicine, which made his hands swell. Smart. Yeah.
0: Goddamn.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's why I said that guy, I don't think he has any reason to lie about Marcus Allen because he's admitted to telling OJ to stop taking his medicine so the glove won't fit.
1: Pretty, pretty, <laughs>
2: pretty smart. Mm. So, in closing arguments, Chris Darden, he shot down the the idea that the police officers would have wanted to frame OJ, and he questioned that it didn't even make sense. Why would they want to frame him, or why would they be against him when they went to his house on eight separate domestic violence calls and never did anything, never arrested him, never questioned anything that he was doing. I mean, they were all buddy-buddy with him. And then he also brought up the fact that they didn't arrest him for five days after he was Mm -hmm. a murder
1: suspect, you know. So, I mean, he was getting special treatment. But the size of the conspiracy and the people that would have to be involved to pull this off based on the the blood evidence
2: is just nuts. And even the glove, because Mark Furman wasn't the first one
0: there. Yeah. To see the first glove. It's just not possible. Right. Um, so but it, the prosecution didn't do a great job with proving it. I mean, the the, the defense kicked their ass, they, it seems like. They did. Like, this, this should have been an easy case. There's an overwhelming amount of evidence. And they, case, they yes. could not do
1: it. They couldn't do it. They, they made some mistakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a
2: lot of mistakes made in this. So, Johnny Cochran, in his closing arguments, he... He emphasized that Mark Furman was proven to repeatedly refer to African-Americans as the N-word and also had bragged of beating young African-Americans in his role as a police officer. Johnny also said the famous phrase, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And that's a that's a it's a powerful thing for the jury with that whole glove. I mean, it was made into such a thing with O.J. trying them on. Yeah. And with Johnny leaning over, showing yeah. the glove, yeah. saying, "He said it like what three times? Yeah, a couple, if two or three times.
1: You yeah. got to remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was if you. Do you remember, remember what he said in in the show when he was wordsmithing the uh, his summation? Oh. He had something first before, and then he like worked into this one. Yeah, like if the evidence is no good. I, I can't it was something remember it was, silly. But it was good.
2: Yeah, because he's walking around saying it for his wife. <laughs>
1: they showed him working into the final line. Yeah, it was
2: good. <laughs> yeah, but man, him him going right up to the jury and saying it over Perfect. and over again, and then yeah. saying, "If you remember anything from this case, yeah. if it doesn't fit, you must acquit." Genius. Yeah, Johnny's rhetoric was criticized by uh, by Robert Shapiro afterwards, and at least one of the jurors. And then Ron Goldman's father, Fred Goldman is really outspoken about it with, uh, with Johnny. He called Mark Furman quote a genocidal racist, a perjurer, America's worst nightmare and the personification of evil. And he also compared him to Hitler during it, it was a little aggressive.
1: It was, but those tapes were pretty vile. They are I, very I vile. Know. A little over the top, but not inaccurate.
0: Yeah. It's a hell of a closing statement though. He smoked them.
1: Yeah.
2: At 10.07 a.m. on October 3rd, 1995, OJ was acquitted on both counts of murder. Uh, the, t- the only testimony reviewed was that of the limer- limo driver, Alan Park, who said that he did not see OJ's Bronco outside of his estate when he arrived to pick him up after the murders occurred. The jury arrived at their verdict by 3 p.m. on October 2nd after only deliberating for four hours.
1: I mean, a nine-month trial... And four hours of deliberation. What'd they say? What was I mean, the, it was clearly an
0: ass-whooping by the defense. Yeah, and they,
1: were they clearly were decided already. Yeah.
2: What was the... I can't remember what the stat was. It was like one day for so many hours of test of uh, oh, testimony. I Can't remember what the average was, but yeah. that's what they were talking about. And then they said all of a sudden they got phone calls. It was Johnny's partner was talking about, he was like, Johnny took this, had this vacation set up to, a, yeah. to go over to like a wine place with his wife. And all of a sudden they get a phone call four hours yeah. <laughs> later. But uh, so before the verdict, Bill Clinton was briefed on security measures if rioting occurred nationwide. Um, there's an estimated 100 million people worldwide watched and list or listened to the verdict. Now, this I do remember
1: listening to live
2: these are these are crazy stats too long distance telephone call volume decreased by 58% <laughs> trading volume on the New York Stock Exchange decreased by 41% water usage decreased as people avoiding using bathrooms and so much work <laughs> stopped during the verdict that it cost an estimated 480 million in lost pro- productivity
1: I believe it
0: goddamn <laughs> that's crazy see I remember. I, I believe it. I feel like I remember listening, but I think I've just made up so many memories in my head that I don't actually, yeah. I didn't actually listen. Yeah. Because I don't know. I would have been, what, nine years old here? Yeah. It's I've, interesting that Bill Clinton was well, I mean, uh, advised well, and, and prepared mean, after for Rodney King. The whole city burned sure, down. You know, sure. The city burned down. You got to wonder what would have happened had, had had it come back guilty. Like, what's. Ronnie what might King have got, happened after
2: that? The LA riots got real ugly.
1: Yeah, extremely.
2: It's I don't know. I like I said in the beginning. I just I find this one fascinating. Just from the end of or the starting of ratings or everything for the news mm-hmm. to what you can get away with as a celebrity, the social implications of mm-hmm. this. You know, just the whole the whole
1: story is. Mm-hmm is wild. Look when 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 you've lived with decades of the LAPD attacking your community, I get it. And I only I completely get this that they Well, and you then
0: know. you got you got this poor woman Nicole Brown who got into a relationship where she was treated terribly. She most likely was beat up, got the shit kicked out of her, and then she got killed one way or another. Justice has not been served. Like and that's that's just that's true. It makes I mean, it's, I don't know, it's terrible.
2: I can totally see what, what you were talking about with the LAPD mm-hmm. and, and things. I mean, the video of Rodney King is absolutely ridiculous, you yeah. know, it's... Oh, it's brutal. But this, Johnny Cochran turned this into something that was way bigger than OJ, Nicole Brown, or, you know, the whole yeah. thing. That's what
1: he needed to do in this scenario, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have no... Pro- I and, and we completely... uh skipped over it, but when they did the took the jury to go visit the crime scene, the defense talked them into that they had to go see O.J.'s house, too. Mm-hmm. And Marsha Clark's like, well, no, but if they do, the only thing that they need to see is the where the glove was found. And Lancito allowed them to go into O.J.'s house, and O.J.'s house was just filled with pi- either pictures of just him, like his own memorabilia, or him with pictures of white people. And so they took it all down and put up pictures of of African American people, yeah, mm-hmm. and took a picture from Johnny Cochran's office, the one civil rights painting, yeah. and hung it up right above the thing.
0: Smart. It's brilliantly done. Like, I mean, yeah, you hate to use those kind, that those, uh, you know, those thoughts with with something like this, but is genius by Johnny Cochran. Absolutely. I mean, he's that's what you're paying in, him to do. allegedly, he's. I mean, he's getting a murder murderer off. Uh, Getting him off allegedly, yeah. And
2: I mean, it's up to Lance Ito, the judge, to stop that shit. It would have. He should have been like, no, that it doesn't. You don't need to go in the house (laughs) for what purpose? Yeah, or he could have looked at the. I mean, he saw the crime scene photos and everything. Look at the before and after. I'm like, wait a second, this house is completely different now. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's it's a hell of a story. Yeah, it's crazy. Well,
0: so then what happened with OJ ever since?
2: So OJ went on to in 2006 signed on to do a uh, a video called or yeah it was just a video called Juiced with the fine uh, the fine creator of Bum Fights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> upstanding uh, humanitarian.
2: Yeah, and uh, it was supposed to be like a like a candid camera thing where like something you know there I know there was like one where they're hitting the air horn while people are golfing. So it's and like then, punked. Yeah. Except. And juiced. then when OJ is like, oh, you got juiced, it's super awkward and just not funny at it's all. ridiculous. But there's a there's also a rap video that OJ put out as part of that. There's a lot of strippers. OJ's wearing some ridiculous outfits.
1: Well then he wrote the book If I Did It. Yep. Which was kind of like a pseudo admission, I guess. There, there's an there's an interview out there. Well with you're the assuming publisher.
0: if you're assuming. I'm assuming,
1: but well, in, I, mean, I mean, he describes how it, how
0: how he would he have allegedly done.
1: would have conducted yeah. these murders if he had done it. But there's an interview with that Judith Regan who published the book, I believe, uh, conducted with him. It's just it's very strange. Yeah. Well, so it's just him going. What's through. What's
0: stopping him from admitting it at this point? I mean, uh, well, he's already, he um, can't be tried nothing again. Nothing really.
2: Well, the thing too with the the if I did it book was that. Um, you know, he was later, they, Ron Goldman and, Ron Goldman's family and Nicole Brown's family filed civil suit against him. Right. And they, he was found in the civil suit that he was held responsible for their murders. Right. In the civil suit. So they just won some cash or Well, whatever. that's, he was going to put out that book and then Ron Goldman's, they got the, the rights to the book and put it out and it said, you know, if I did it, but the if was real tiny
1: and then it's like, I did it. plastered <laughs> on the front of the book. <laughs> Well, and then O.J. ultimately went to jail for a long time in Nevada for those robberies and the sports memorabilia robberies in Vegas. Because
2: he sold all his stuff.
1: Huh. He, I think
2: in the civil suit, he was found to owe them $36 million altogether. And so he Plus all sold those things, legal right? fees from his yeah. uh, murder trial. Well, and you know what? The interesting thing, too, the other part about what he was doing in jail is that it was determined that part of his income was autographs. And so Innocent, you know innocent before proven guilty, whatever. There was a buddy of his that was his manager and then another sports memorabilia guy. They were bringing in just flat pieces of football leather (laughs) and flat and just the numbers from jerseys. And he was signing them Hmm. while he was in jail, just signing away. Hmm. They said the sports memorabilia guy said that he made about three million dollars while he was sitting in jail that whole time (laughs) to pay for his defense. Hmm. And that's he, They said that the Goldman's and Nicole Brown's family they were flipping out, but it's all within reason. Yeah. well, can you? I mean, as you far can't as really stop that I guess. I mean, yeah. but at
1: some point, if you flood the market with all these signatures, it's got to tank the, yeah. the value at some point. I
0: mean, he's still making three million dollars. <laughs> I think he did all right.
2: <laughs> and he was just, yeah, he was just paroled last
0: year. Yeah. yeah. yeah on Twitter. Yeah. And that's why we're here today. Yeah. <laughs> We're 25th Fucking piggy banking that shit. <laughs> piggy backing, not piggy banking.
2: Yeah, and when he was sentenced for that, the robbery stuff, the the judge like right off the bat before sentencing, she was like, "This is not retribution for your previous trial." Which right. you're like that sounds like it's retribution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. When
0: you say that, yeah. Yeah, it's not because
2: he got a long time. She, they threw the fucking book yeah. at him for that. 33 years. Yeah, that's but I mean he was paroled but he was still it's a, yeah. a lot
0: damn yeah so, what an interesting story though that's OJ it really this is. is a fascinating case it's not our typical kind but it's something different I don't know it's super fascinating what constitutes a people...
1: serial killer how many murders I think it's four alright so he's not a serial killer well he's
0: not he's Fireworks? at ze- he's at zero so he's not a serial killer that's, at all you're right yeah. totally acquitted I, you're right um yeah, but I don't know. This was a fun story. I, I enjoyed this. It was a longer one. We went in depth tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's... I, I mean, hope people crazy. enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, you. And if anybody wants further, check out that O.J. Made in America
0: documentary. It's like a, it's on Netflix now, right? I don't know if that one is or not. Oh, it, not is that not the, uh, the no, FX the,
2: one? The FX one's portrayed by actors this one's a documentary oh, okay. series yeah.
0: the FX one's
2: really good I oh, just yeah. watched it this week I yeah. have not I'm going to watch it's it really now, now that we did
0: this show I'm going to watch it after yeah
2: it's good but the O.J. Made in America documentary series it's five episodes and they're each in an hour and a half long mm. so I mean it really digs deep into the whole thing god damn
0: alright Ian you got anything else on O.J.? Mm. nope Dave you got anything else you want to add on the O.J. Uh, no uh, sir no Alright, what shout outs we got tonight? Uh for
2: iTunes we have an updated one by T Heath seventy-four, an updated one by Mr. B Natural, and then J-Rod723, King John Frederick the Third, Mr. Sam Squatch, Spillingson, Freedom 187 and Bjorn Nedyear, which Bjorn is the The Swedish one, which I wouldn't have guessed, (laughs) which is very cool. Fucking Sweden, man. That's awesome.
0: That's really cool.
2: Very cool. Hell yeah. So thank you everybody for the reviews and tuning in every week.
0: And keep them coming. Those reviews on iTunes are fucking awesome for us. Dave, what do you got? So some shout outs on Instagram, Rob Knight uh, from
1: Facebook, Brandy. uh, Really good axe murderer story tip that she provided (laughs) us. So thanks a lot for that. We're going to look into that. And on Twitter, HKVP9X. Thanks for that Zozo tip. I, I believe we forgot to credit you on our Zozo story, but thank yeah. you for the Zozo tip.
0: Yeah, that was the one. We've, we we did this story per her request and uh, didn't give her proper shout-out. Ridiculous
1: so. story, but thank you nonetheless. <laughs> it
0: was a fun story, at least. Uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Necronomapod. We are going to have shirts coming out in the near future, so... Stick around at some point for that in the coming weeks and, uh, hit us up on iTunes or, uh, Apple review. Like we said, those go a long way to help us out and, uh, get us noticed. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and, uh, we'll check you guys next week. Are you guys ready for a cool beer? Cheers. Let's go.